and welcome to the 13th episode of the Purogems podcast here on the Five Star Network. And together with me today on this special episode, of course, like always, is Dylan. How are you, Dylan? Peps. Oh, lucky number 13. We're here. You trusted me. You knew I could fight the bad luck associated with that number. Thanks to my war on Krampus right now with Christmas time coming up. <laughs> you knew that I was the one to face all the supernatural uh, people right now. I'm like Sam and Dean combined from Supernatural right now. We're going in here. So we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. I'm so honored and thankful that you had me on the show. Uh, love talking with you about wrestling and hopefully all your, your wonderful listeners out there also appreciate it as well. Yes, of course. Um, we have the beginning of December, which means we will review the last month, the November, a rather quiet month. But first of all, I want you to plug all your things, you know, where we can find you, where we can listen to you and other stuff. Absolutely. Um, my main show, I think the one everybody, if you do know me, you probably have heard my main show, Eastern Lariat. I host it with fellow German, Striga. Uh, we just did a new show, actually, um, talking about all kinds of stuff. Uh, obviously, I had to save the final for Piro Gems, of course. So uh, uh, we talked about a lot of stuff leading up to that. Uh, we talked about New Japan. We cover everything on there. It doesn't matter what promotion is in Japan. Um, Noah, even we talked a little bit about on there. Against Striga's will, we did talk about <laughs> Noah. Uh, we got DDT, Dragon Gate, all of that. Uh, we try to cover everything, give you the news, give you the scoops, give you the updates uh, to the best of our abilities as analysts and whatever you want to call us as podcasters. My other shows, uh, Dramatic Dream Dragons, and I host it with uh, my friends Yannick, Sandre. Uh, they've done great work. They're super fans of DDT and Dragon Gate, respectively. I hop in on there. Uh, we, we, you know, we started doing it on the Eastern Larry Patreon network, which is still up, by the way, patreon.com slash Eastern Larry. You get some kind of bonus stuff. <laughs> sometimes I talk about past wrestling. Sometimes I talk about present. Uh, sometimes I have special guests on, and that's where they started, and it, we, it all came together for this Dramatic Dream Dragon show, talking about DDT and DG. Uh, so passionate. I'm always the bad guy on that show, though, because I, I'm like a wrestling agnostic almost. I I have no no loyalty to any company. I just like them all equally, so I'm not, I'm not a, a particular fan of any <laughs> any of them. Uh, and uh, then there's a wrestle update. Me and Nella De Angelis, we do it uh, talking about American wrestling, if you're a fan of that, AEWWE. Um, but lots of fun stuff. We talked about uh, the Continental Classic going on in AEW. We talked about their crazy booking sometimes. We complain about Takeshita being a background player just as much as all of the Japanese wrestling fans want us to, I like to think. Uh, so we do that. Lucha Talk, show about Lucha Libre. We're going to have a new episode very soon uh, to wrap up the year, me, me and Microman Fever. Uh, so all the, the continents of wrestling, pretty much all of the things of wrestling uh, you want in the world. I cover in some form or fashion, and I love doing it. I love talking about wrestling. It's my whole life. One day, hopefully, we can talk about wrestling from Antarctica. That hasn't <laughs> happened yet, but if it does, I will cover it. I'm pretty sure it's better than British wrestling. I agree. Perhaps you're. This is why. See, this is why we're so good together because you you understand me right now. You understand my feelings, people. Yes. Of course, you should all check it out. I think the next Dramatic Dream episode is going to be really interesting with the Final Gate match being set up. And yeah, I, I heard from, from other people that they are either totally happy and, well, not completely happy with it. So I'm interested to see 
where you will line up there. Then, of course, on the Fire Stand Up, we have Stardom Quest, which is a podcast totally normally about Stardom with Alex and uh, another Dylan. And we have Actress as Stage, which is from Welke and um, Sondre, a new podcast once a month as well, just as Pure Gems about Actress Girls. Both of the podcasts should you should check out as always. And I think there's another one, Dressel Update, of course. We, we mentioned that already. Yeah, that's me. Did it? No Limit. Oh, of course. Uh, no Limit, of course. It's, it's another podcast. Um, the episodes are mostly on YouTube, I think. Um, you should follow Dylan and the, another Dylan. And <laughs> geez, too many Dylans <laughs> for a hat. All of the Dylans. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, all the Five Star Network uh, podcasts are actually good. Uh, to be honest, not just hyping them up, but I, I think everybody involved has done a really great job. And I love the passion of all of them. Uh, shout out to K2. Uh, they're in Japan yes. right now uh, doing doing Dragon Gate stuff, uh, having fun in there. So so it's all good stuff going on right now. I love with the Five Star Network. I love being a part of it and all the cool people uh, that are a part of it. And their passion for wrestling, I don't think, can really be matched by anyone else. Yeah, 100%. I Put the way to to <laughs> wait not enough over here on this podcast, so it was needed to do that. So, and I would just say we jump just jump right into it. Um, today's update is we start off with all Japan. We continue with Ice Ribbon Glade, uh, a prominence match, Big Japan, and at the end we will preview a lot of shows because the December is always stacked in Japanese wrestling. So. Let's start off with All Japan. Um, we start off with the Hokkaido series uh, with Day 6, which was on November 5th, the day show um, in, in in some hotel. I don't know the name. We had 596 um, at, in attendance, which is a good number for the Hokkaido show and in such a smaller venue. And we had two title matches on the show. The first one was for the Old Japan World Junior Heavyweight title. It was Elinaman defending his championship for the fourth time um, against someone, well, who made his Old Japan debut just a few shows prior, Jonathan Gresham. An interesting matchup, um, and I want to hear your thoughts on that. Absolutely. Um, I will start off saying right away... Uh, when we got into this, I was wondering how this was all going to play out because I don't know about you, Peps. Lindemann's title reign has been a little bit uninspiring, in my opinion. I haven't really been a huge fan of what he did in his reign up to that point. Gresham, he's a guy who's been around for a million years, uh, pretty much. Uh, not just in, you know, uh, the Indies, especially even an impact and things like that. Ring of Honor, he was a champion for a while. Uh, you know, he's been a controversial guy, uh, you know, with all kinds of PWI stuff uh, into his name that he goes into. But I was actually, if you look at his wrestling, uh, I thought he really fit in well leading up to this match, his matches that he had beforehand, uh, like the triple threat he had, which was really good. Uh, so we get into this match with Lyndon and Gresham, and I thought Gresham really brought the best out of Lindemann, uh, you know, it, it's a shame that I feel like that they had all of these great matches, and I felt the same about this. Um, you know, I, I made a point on the Eastern Lariat that everyone's going to focus on the, the Triple Crown match, but really, this is a match that I don't think you should let slip under your radar, which goes in line with the name of the show, Puro Gems, the hidden gems of ProRes. Mm-hmm. 
I think this is definitely right up there with him because I thought it was a really great match. Uh, he went really well uh, with Gresham. Uh, I think he's a great matchup stylistically for Lindemann because you're not going to have a guy who's kind of at Lindemann's size, really. It lets Lindemann play a much better role than I think he's done in a long time. In late this year, I don't think he's done a lot of good stuff. Obviously, his title reign, he had some great matches there. He's been on the back burner a little bit in the company. We'll talk about Glayton a little bit more at, at large. But the fact of the matter is against Gresham, it allowed uh, Lindemann to really go into his main traits here where you had both guys going back and forth. I, Gresham is much more of a technical guy. Lindemann brought more high-speed action and big moves and stuff like that you would want. Uh, and I really liked the way they handled the match. I thought it built well, and you got some really good stuff uh, here. Uh they had actually had maybe a bigger build and more time, I think we even got something really special. You got to remember, this was a short match, not even 15 minutes, I don't think. Uh, you know, shortish match for a title match. But I thought it was really well used. They they used their time really well. It was a really good match. And I thought Gresham fitted really well in general in All Japan and got the most out of Lindemann that we've seen so far. Uh, yeah, totally. I was kind of surprised with how this match went. Um, because, well, the story of Lindemann's title run is... He is the outsider, and he's beating all those old Japan guys. We have seen it with um, Ryo Inoue. We have seen it with Rising Hayato. Somewhat the same with, with Hikaru Sato. But, like, Jonathan Gresham has, like... Fans don't know him outside of his a few appearances that he had before. In like, like the, the Pilu tags and all, whatever. And, well, they... They instantly got him and, and supported him, which was surprising and which made the match so interesting because the crowd was really into it. Um, the match itself, you know, just, just, I think there was the best defense for Lindemann. Um, it started off with, with the, with the typical crowd work that we have seen in thousands of Gresham matches. Um, I think if you have seen a beginning phase of Gresham, you have seen it all. Um, not even meant to be bad because it's, it's the same with Okada. <laughs> Um, but, but just so that people have to wish it all. Um, and then it picked up and was a compelling match with an interesting and a great finishing stretch. I think it was a good match, the best one of, of a Lineman's run. And I think totally over delivered. And well, after that, I would say I would take Gresham back for another duel if they have the chance. Absolutely. And he brings a style. Uh, you have a little bit with Sato as well. Uh, the technical style that he brings to the table. I think he's a great addition uh, to bring the most out of him. With his size, you can do different things than a lot of people because he's so small that it helps him, actually. Like, a lot of people clown on him for it, but actually it, it helps him in a lot of ways in these scenarios in the junior division. So I totally agree uh, that Gresham would be a great person to bring back uh, for multiple reasons when they did that. Uh, you know, and I thought it led. I agree with what you said. This was clearly, to me, the best Lindemann title defense so far that he had. It was the first one where he, it seemed like he actually tried. Outside of, outside of yeah. the rising, I yada one because it wasn't his own promotion. <laughs> yeah, I agree, I agree with that. I think that's a big part of it. I think even in his home promotion, he hasn't really put in max effort this year. Like I said, yeah. uh, I don't think he's had a standout year, especially compared to last year with the title run, uh, which I think motivation is a big part of that. Definitely. I am. Like, like, how, how, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, well, we will come to that later, but I think his run as champion is ending soon. At least I would hope so. At least I think so. 
Um, yeah, it would be the logical end we could t- considering what we're about to talk about. Yeah, mobily. <laughs> Not wrestling this year. companies aren't always logical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not in this year, but like, yeah, for, first run, he he at least is trying to put in his work in this match and made this match worth watching. It's it's gonna be an underrated jam of the junior division this year. I think everyone should check it preview out, even though you, if you don't like Jonathan Gresham or his wrestling. So, moving on to the main event of the show, it was a hometown, I think it was, I think it was a hometown match, a Hokuto Mori, teaming together with Minoru Suzuki, and they were challenging Junior Ray Saido for the All Japan World Tag Team Championships. And, unsurprisingly, the Saido Bros retained in around 22 minutes, and it was, with, and secured the second defense, well, for the match itself, it was good, but like good in terms of nothing special or something you should seek out to watch if you haven't already. Um, which is for me the normal case with Sidos. They, they, they developed in a team that you can easily watch now and have good matches, but most of them are like just good, good, and not, like, great, good that you would expect from other tag teams. And we have seen with other tag teams that held the belt this year. Yeah, you're not going to get the same level of match you got with Kento and Yuma the month prior, every month. That was a really special uh, circumstance. This match, like you said, there's nothing necessarily wrong with it, but it wasn't anything special either. Uh, You know, but the crowd did come into it. I liked what they did here, especially with Hokuto. I thought this was a good jumping off point, and we're going to talk about him a lot more in a little bit. And I think it's an improved version that we'll talk about later. But here against the Saitos, um, I really liked his work playing off of the bigger guys. Uh, and that's a, a position he's going to be in a lot as a heavyweight. He's going to be smaller a lot of times than some of the other heavyweights. Uh, and I thought he did a good job here. Um, his chemistry with Suzuki is interesting. Because they've really worked on this faction the whole year. The problem is, is that they also haven't really put that much into it. Because they've had title shots before together. But the problem is, this group doesn't even have a name. The one with these two, Adoy. Uh, they're only vaguely aligned. They don't really go all the way with it. Uh, it's a tough sell in a lot of ways for them as a tag team. Which I think they've made a, a great improvement on. Which, again, we'll talk about later. But for this match with the Saitos... Um, a fine match where Hokuto was a worthy underdog. The crowd was into it. Um, something I mentioned in general, and this goes for pretty much all the matches we're going to talk about with All Japan. I think the All Japan crowd is one of the absolute best in Japan right now. Their yes. fans are, are come in and they add a lot to all of their shows. Their fans always show up. You look at some other companies, and a lot of the times you'll get some dead crowds. People will be bored. In all Japan, you almost always, especially for the big matches, you get a good crowd. 100%. And it's it's not like a freak accident like it's with other promotions where they have like one good crowd and, and five crowds full of nothing. Um, shout out to Stardom. But <laughs> here you have, <laughs> here you have, in every show you have a crowd that is actually involved with whatever is going on in the ring that is trying to make the match better by their enjoyment. It's, it helps the product. It makes a product feel hard, 
it makes it is the product is hard, but it also makes the product feel even harder. It just is something so rare currently parodied, it's, and it's something really to point out to. Yeah, and it was especially here. Of course, it was part of because Hokuto is you know the hometown guy, the Hokkaido guy, and all of that. But like we have seen it with other promotions where they had hometown guys in a prom- and, and the crowd was still not loud. And for Hokuto, I always say that, yeah, yeah. yeah go on. No, no, uh, for, for Hokuto, oh, I was going to say, I always, I always say, yeah, go on. No, go on. Go I, on. I always say that uh, wrestling is a symbiotic relationship, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The fans are into it in all Japan, but they're also given reasons to be into their characters. Uh, you know, in a company like Startup, there's been so many stops and starts and people getting injured. I think that's kind of derailed a lot of people's, you know, everybody points to the pushes, but also, a push is a part of a story, a character arc, if you will. In all Japan, almost all of these guys have had improvements in their character arcs this year, whether it was uh, Hokuto or the Saitos, and of course the fans have responded. And like I said, it's a symbiotic relationship. If you give the fans something to attach themselves to, they usually will in turn, and I think all Japan is the best at that right now, whereas in other companies, there's a lot of companies that hasn't been great in terms of giving the fans that, which, again, we'll talk about a little bit later as well, but uh, regardless, I think it definitely worked in all Japan. Yeah. Uh, just just to mention real quick, but I will come to the progression of Hakuto later, but I think Hakuto, especially in that match, or everything that happened before this match, was like a good guy that has some performances between well, he's really not it. And, oh, yeah, he's actually pretty good. I think he's someone that, that could, you know, we will talk about it after the Tag League more, uh, after we talked about the Tag League more. But it's like, you just noticed there, he was s- still kind of, well, in recent months, kind of, you know, between everything between, well, he's maybe not as good as they tried to push him. And, well, he's actually as good as he tried to push him. And I think here was, like, a great performance from him that he really needed in this match. And it's something I need to point out with Hakuto, because he doesn't get the praise that Ricky Honda and, and Yuma Ansa gets, recently at least. That's true. That's a good point, Eddie. Even in his title match uh, with Aoyagi, they gave him a title shot in July this year. And I thought he did a really good job there as well. Uh, the show was like the, the first ever Triple Crown match in the EMA region. And they did a great job there as well. They got a great drawing house as well. So Hokuto has really shown a lot of improvements this year. Uh, you know, and it's crazy to think about, you know, a year ago, he was at the bottom of the junior division. Like he didn't score a single point in the junior battle yes. that year. And look what they look, look how well they've done in one year's time, how well they've elevated him. And, and he's like he's like not the only one there who's like improved a lot in his in his car placement over the over the year. Of course, he's the one standing out because well, he's everywhere. <laughs> he's like out there pinning Ketsumihara and some shit, which well, outside of the selected guys, no one is doing in all Japan. So they're definitely behind him, and and you know. We'll come to that, but 2024 will be the year where he likely gets his first title in all Japan. Yep. First major title in all Japan, yeah. And then we move on to the evening show. It was also on November 5th. Uh, the same venue. This time we had close to 800 people in attendance, which is the highest 
the highest attendance in this venue, I think, ever, from what I've seen. Pretty good number, with, of course, two matches worth pointing out to. Uh, we will talk about the first one real quick. It was a tag team match. Kenji Mihara and T-Hawk defeated Ryuki Honda and Yuma Ansai in seven in 17 minutes and 47, uh, 46 seconds. Uh, absolutely great match. And it's like one of the matches people should watch from this month, in my opinion. Um, Ryuki Honda and Yuma Ansai, like such a insanely talented tag team and they work so well together are so likable so easy to root for that the crowd was like totally behind them and, and Kento and T-Hawk as the two aces just just beat the living hell of, out of them and well it was all about you know Honda and Unside trying to not to stay down until the end it was too late and the, the ace team picked up the win I love this match. Uh, I thought it was so good. I thought I I love T Hawk and Kento as a tag team. Yes. In general, I really think T Hawk is like way underrated by some people in general. If you look at their like just compare these two as a team here, and we're gonna talk a lot about Kento and Yuma. I think Kento and Yuma's interesting because they have a great brotherly relationship almost, where Kento ultimately is this egomaniac character, right? That's a big part of him in, in general. And he plays it off. He's a great ace. He always comes across above everybody in a good way, not like a, you know, a, a burying way or anything like that, but a really good charismatic, you know, guy. And Yuma matches it in some way. I always compare Yuma to like Dante from Devil May Cry. He's like, a good guy who's also kind of a dick, but he it's only because he can't help himself, but he's secretly a good guy. Keyhawk is like a full dick, the way Kento is. So they have an even more... They have big dick energy double-sized with these two as a team. And I think they work so well together. And just as a tandem, their character work is so good. And, they, and this is like the perfect match for them to wrestle against Anzai and, and Honda. <laughs> like your two young up-and-comers... Um, especially Anzai, I thought really stood out here. Uh, Honda's great as well, but he's got a little bit of an edge to him as well. Uh, Anzai is like the best pure, uh, one of the best pure baby faces in wrestling, uh, in my opinion. Great charisma from everybody, uh, coming in there. And these were really, like, I thought this was a way underrated match. And, and Piak in general, especially, is, is underrated. This was a great match. Like, a great setup to the Tag League, too. Although there is one match I think I would put above it. But if you compare this to a lot of the other matches, uh, this was a, a fantastic performance. So, yeah, definitely make your time to go out and watch uh, Kento Tuck versus Honda I mean, Nanzai. Yeah. If, if it meets anything, it was a match that Dave Meltzer rated. And Meltzer rating matches from all Japan means that the matches were at least people recommended it a lot of times. So definitely check that one out. And same for the main event, of course. And I think the main event is this match everyone talked about even days after. It was for the All Japan Triple Crown Championship. Yuma Oagi defending his belt against Katsuhiko Nakajima. The, the champion, the current champion against, well, the guy coming from Noah with his goal to defend. Well, to wrestle once again Kentomihara, of course, in 
a big time triple crown match is like alone from the star power this was not a level compared to the other Yumawaki defenses in my opinion I mean you had of course you had Honda you had Suwama Omori Kojima well you had of course Kento but like from the feeling going into this match I don't think it was ever such high felt like such a hype for a matchup in a Yuma run than this one and it delivered on such a high level I mean what else is there to say it's like Incredible, just an incredible match. How did you feel about the match? The only problem with this match mm-hmm. is that it overshadowed the other two matches so so much that we talked about, uh, especially the tag team, because it was so great. This is what everybody came to see. This is what everybody wanted to talk about. Um, I thought Aoyagi was so good here. In a role where this was the first again where he was the last two matches of his run I think were really the best ones where he faced Kento and then Nakajima because they each had a similar story where he was clearly the underdog guy uh, coming into it and trying to survive and fight and keep his title in a heroic effort which he succeeded with with Kento but in this instance Nakajima was able to over overwhelm him a match and he did a great job uh, I thought. Uh, these two just were fantastic here. Uh, Nakajima got to have a great run just beating the hell out of Yuma, and Yuma got to survive that and gain more points and gain more cred uh, for that. Uh, the win was interesting, and the match was just absolutely fantastic. Everybody knows it by now. If you haven't seen it already, what are you doing? you got to go watch it. Uh, definitely up there is one of the best All Japan matches of the year. <laughs> I will say this. I don't love, because they, I thought they did such a good job with this title reign. I mean, up and down, pretty much every match was like great houses. Like, it drew well all the way. The matches were all good, <laughs> you know, ever since he won the title from Nagata originally. Uh, everything was great. I wish that they had been able, and I, I mean, who's to say why it happened? Obviously, they wanted to really focus on the Yoyogi show and get right to that. You know, Nakajima and Kento, the rematch for the title. Okay, it makes perfect sense. I get that. I wish that they had given Yuma a little bit more time to breathe in between him. Because him, if you followed his his story in All Japan for all of these years, him beating Kento for the first time for the Triple Crown in a Triple Crown match is a major character moment for him with what they've done with him. And I thought they kind of just blew right past it so fast to focus on Nakajima right away with the flowers, which was a, was a great angle, don't get me wrong. I just wish that uh, basically they went right from him beating Kento, his greatest win, to Nakajima immediately going after Kento, and then two weeks later, Nakajima takes the title from Yuma. I wish they had spread it out just a little bit more to give Yuma a little bit more time to breathe with his big moment. That's my only complaint about all of this. But as a match, it was phenomenal. Yeah, I I get it. It it feels like the the win over Kento didn't mean as much as it should have. I mean, it it doesn't matter if Nakajima is staying post-January 3rd, which is likely the last date he has, considering what's happening later in the show, what we'll talk about later in the show. Because then, you of course, you can talk about, okay, Yuma still has, you know, he, he defeated Kento, but he lost 
uh, but he was still on, still losing to Nakajima and all of that. You can easily build a story around that if you have the chance with Nakajima staying or not. We don't know it yet. Um, I would guess not, but we don't know it. True. But like, yeah, it's it's like, but I don't think what what other people like like pretty much said that that it was like a bad decision because for me. Yuma Awagi's made. He's a made A A minus that sounds worse than it than it actually is. Like he's he's a he's now the second ace behind Kenshimihara pretty much in the company from the standpoint, from the drawing power, from how they are booking him, how they are protecting him, all of that. So he's gonna get a second run, he's gonna get a third run, he's gonna get a fourth one if forefront if he's staying. So it's not like, okay, they're leaving here potential, in my opinion, because we will get the potential, maybe not in the first round, but in the later one. It's like it's like we, we have seen it with other aces. I think um, Okada's first run was like, what, two months long, three months long, or something like that, and we somewhat followed up. And I think they will get something similar here. Um, Nakajima winning? It's the right decision in terms of what you're yeah. aiming for. And if you want to make your end year show the biggest show you can make, have. Um, for those who don't know, I think everyone saw it coming or noticed it or got told. Um, Kento Mihara came out, of course, and he's challenging his bitter rival, Katsuko Nakajima, that he never beat, I think, um, on December 31st for the Trip Count Belt. Just, um, just, just in Yoyogi, just for people to know, um, the tickets, how the ticket sales is going right now. Um, the premium seat, the special ringside seats, and the first four stand seats are all sold out already. So only the second and third end, only the second floor is still available to buy, which means they are getting a huge number for the show. Yeah. So business wise, you, you know, you just know, okay, that was a the right decision. Oh and yeah, absolutely. Told- like even though I criticized it, 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 whatever sacrifice they had for you was into the title reign. It was for the greater good overall. Like there's no doubt about that. I, I want to. You, you can't. You cannot. You know, it's all Japan is not a rich promotion. Let's be real. Yeah. They are, they are fighting on, you know, on on a level that that you know they need every money they can get. And I think so. I can t- totally understand what they're going for. And I think we will get a fantastic match with Yoyogi. And I think that, that Yuma Wagi is going to be fine. I think he will get his run sooner than later again. Even though, even though his run was pretty great. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. His run this time was, yeah, yeah, it was really good. Uh, yeah, again, uh, it was just a minor critique I wanted yeah. to lay out that I think they could have ended it a little bit better. But like I said, I do know and understand it's definitely for the greater good. You don't want to, like, well, you know, you better play. Well, it's better to be safe than sorry at the end of the day. So you might as well get to it. And we all knew it was going to come to that anyway. As soon as Nakajima went into All Japan, we know his big matches with Kento. And, I mean, they they are proven this rivalry they've had. I mean, it's only going to be two matches at the end of the year, although they didn't have the tag match we're going to talk about. Um, the At the end of the day, both times they've had the singles matches in Noah and this, it was bo- a box office smash. Uh, so they made the totally right call for that. Yep, I'm interested to see what number they're announcing 
because they had already a Yoyogi show earlier this year. Well, in October, October or September? It was September. Know. September, yeah. where they drew 1.6k, which is a lot still for Yoyogi. Yeah. Um, I would guess they are smashing too, like like 1.9, 2.1, something like that, which would be fantastic for them. Every, every, everything above 1,000 1, is awesome for Old Japan, to be fair. <laughs> but it's going to be a fantastic number. They will just look in a check and see, yes, and they can invest in more Cyruses of the world. <laughs> yeah. And Ryan Davidson. Oh, yeah, of course. So, I would say we spoke, like, we spoke a lot around the Tag League. I would just say we go into the Tag League and the Junior Tournament. I would kick things off with the Junior Tournament. I would read out... Um, well, how do you want to start? Would you? I would say we start off with the finals and the winners, and then just go down the, the the names. So, in the final, we had uh, Dan Tamura today defeating Naruki Doi to earn an Old Japan Judo World Title match at Yogi on December thirty first. First of all, I thought the match between Dan and Naruki Doi was great. Um, fast-paced match, of course, with the junior final, it's it's like they did with the 10-minute time limit match, the, the block matches were a bit shorter, didn't fulfill all the potential they could have. But here, I think they built up a great match. The crowd was fantastic. They were really behind both guys, actually, which is surprising, considering that Tamura is more of a homegrown guy. Um, they have done a great job here. The near falls were fantastic. I thought both guys could win. Of course, the logical one was Santamura, and he won in the end. And, well, he's someone who just deserves it, in my opinion. He worked really hard over the last few years, and it's now, it's now the first time they're really trying to give him the ball. And now he has a chance to run with it, and I think he will. Yeah, I... I think it was a great decision. I wasn't expecting Doi to get to the final, to be honest with you, because what we spoke about with Gresham was also true with him. Another outsider that would face Lindemann, and I really didn't buy him winning the tournament for that reason, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean the work wasn't good. And I agree with what you said, too. If you look at the up and, up and down of this tournament, with the time limit, with how they booked the tournament, and with you know a lot of them being the first matches on the show – there really weren't any great matches, so to speak, of the tournament until this final, I would I would argue. Uh, I thought this is clearly the best match of the tournament. Um, I thought they did a great job of working the match in a way that made it seem like Dan really got a great win here uh, for a guy who was the champion earlier in the year. They told a similar story to what they told with Lindemann with Doi earlier. Uh, Atsuki beat him for that uh, earlier in the year. But now beating him again, that kind of gives him a double rub almost where – you beat the one outsider who was the main guy at the start of the year, and then presumably, again, this is logical. We wrestling companies aren't always logical, of course, but you beat the guy who was the guy at the start of the year that was the big outsider, and then you beat the guy the second half of the year that was the big outsider back to back. I think that's great booking, and I like that they gave it to Dan because we had already seen Atsuki and Hayato get title shots already, as well as Real Inouye and Sato as well. Uh, I think the you know. They could have gone a lot of ways, but I'm glad this was the best option I think they could. And from a match perspective, I think Dan on paper really matches up well. We mentioned it before. Lindemann's title reign hasn't been great thus far, 
but I think that Tamara really matches well with him stylistically as the power junior guy, which he did a great job here with Doi as well. I thought Doi bounced off of him really well, uh, yes. and I thought they did some good stuff. And uh, I think it'll be a really over. good match. Doi put him over big time. Big respect for that because yeah. I mean we have seen it with others outsiders. Well, even in in the junior division, that just didn't care about putting over anyone in terms of you know even though they lay down, they just don't care. So like. Doi just just straight up putting him over, making Dunn look great is fantastic. Yeah, Dunn is like he he was always a good guy, but I think this year he just fully t- came together as a pro wrestler. He's now more um his entire game looks like more polished right now, and I think he was never as ready to take the belt as he is right now. And I think he should win it. Um, I think he will. If I predict right now, I think he will win it. Mm-hmm. I would guess he gets a nice run, but it's it's surprising that he's that he's getting the belt before Hayato because Hayato is someone yeah. I expected to hold the belt a long time ago. Well, this year, <laughs> but you get what I mean. My one fear is that he wins this title, and then in three months, somebody else from Glade or Dragon Gate comes in and wins it, and we're doing this same story all over again. Because if you look at the history of this junior at the belt, it's been going on for years now where that's kind of the thing, where they'll have an outsider come in. Uh, since even Iwamoto's first run in All Japan, they were still doing this, actually, where they had Shima be the champion, and he was the guy that he had to under- overcome. Then they dropped it to Super Crazy. Then you had a run with Iwamoto again. Su- Sugi had a run as an outsider. Uh, Susumu, well, who was a great champion, don't get me wrong. Uh, did that. They had Sato with the belt. It's like back and forth all the time. I want to see a guy get a really solid, good run with the belt and establish it as an All Japan title. And maybe you could have that build to a moment where, let's say, Tamara holds it for a good six, seven, eight months. That builds to Hayato finally beating him, and you can kind of get that as a, a big deal. Because I agree with you. I thought Hayato was more focused on before this point. But they went with Dan uh, Don as the uh, winner against Lindemann. I think it gives you an interesting place to go with Hayato as the last guy, like the last holdout who hasn't won the title. So hopefully they can do something with that again. My one fear is that we just do this all over again with another outsider. So hopefully they get get away from that. Yeah, that's a good chance. Of course, the, the thing is with Don, he, he was paired with Suwama, which means, you know, if you're paired with Suwama and Suwama likes you, then there's a good chance to get pushed in all Japan. Because while while Suwama was like the not main booker, I think it's it's like comedy or something. I don't know. Um, he definitely has a lot of influence. So so him yeah, teaming absolutely. up with with, with with Suwama over the past six seven months, especially with the I thought a great uh, Tenryu project title title run from what I've seen at least. It's like you 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 gave him. A guy to stick to with Suwama, built him up over the year. And now he's getting his payoff. It's 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 so easy. And old man have that the same had the same idea with many wrestlers. Um, Hakuto Mori with Suzuki, and and now Nakajima, for example, is another one. Um, kind of Honda with with Shotaro or Ansai with Nagata, all of that. So like they they're sticking to the young guys with a well-known, popular. Top guy, and it works out well for them. Even without putting it over in the end, like putting the mentor, like like laying down. 
Yeah, and I think it's been successful every time. Every one of those examples you gave has ended up working out at the end, so I think we have to really praise them for keeping things, again, not too convoluted, just very easy stories to tell with these guys, but it's been successful over and over, and I think we have to give them credit for that. Yes, totally. I would just go through the standings of the entire tournament. We start off with the... If you have to say anything about any of the wrestlers, just, you know, say something. Uh, on the last place, this only last place, we have Rio Inoue with five points. He got two wins, three losses, and one draw. I want to mention I his draw that he got was, was really interesting. I think he drawed against Naruki Doi, which is really big for him, for someone like Rio Inoue. Because in the end, he is a one-and-a-half-year veteran, and he got a 10-minute time to draw against, well, a few, former a former top guy, like a former trip ground, uh, former All Japan Junior Champion, of course, one of the biggest freelancer names right now in the rookie dog, which is great for him. I think he did well in the entire tournament. And I think 2024 is going to be the year where he gets the bigger spots. He was one of the guys that stood out to me uh, for the reasons that you said. Uh, first of all, I love his work. I think he's exactly the kind of wrestler I like. A great, uh, hard-hitting, kicking, technical guy who does great stuff. And I really enjoy his work. Again, with all of these guys, I don't think you're going to say, oh, this tournament had all of these great matches. Like they, It really didn't. But he did a great job of standing out, and I love the way they've totally elevated him. <laughs> Again, he's another guy they've been super successful at. And I think that going forward, like you said, he's only he's only going to continue to grow. And being in the same class with Anzai gives you a lot of interesting possibilities in the future as well. Uh, if you if you want to do something with them, uh, or at least hype them together. And obviously, we know Anzai has got a lot of hype. Uh, so if you could just kind of give him a little bit, uh, standing on the edge of that spotlight, I think that would go a long way. But I really liked this tournament. I think they did a great job with him, and uh, they, everything you said was accurate. Yes. So then we have a, a ton of people at seven points. <laughs> First of all, we have Kochi Bomoto with two wins, two two loses, and three draws. Then we have on if, if you have to say anything about anyone, then jump in because I don't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> then, uh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Rest, like, they're, they're getting, yeah, yeah. Go on. The rest of of the, the the ones that didn't make the final all have three wins, three losses, and one draw. We start off with Fuminori Abe who had a solid tournament, a bit under his his quality standard, in my opinion, but he did well enough. I hope he stays a bit longer in all Japan's junior division, and maybe does something... He would be a cool challenger for Dantamura, but I, who knows. Yeah, he's always kind of been in and out. Again, he's been there for years, even in the Jin days, back when Jake Lee had his uh, failed faction that they had there. Uh, he was around there. So he's always kind of in and out. Uh, I think he was continue that role like you know come in when they want him and you know if they have a junior opening he could be a good guy for it and i totally agree he'd be a great opponent but yeah in this tournament again that's the problem with all these guys there's nothing really stand out they all just all did good solid wrestling but nothing special yeah the same can be said for karasato also seven points and i think well atsuki awagi who had like the first six months have been really well for him his like his momentum has been cooled down over the past six months. He's like 
now is the established guy and is just doing the normal matches. But I think one guy that deserves to be really the shout-out here is uh, Rising Hayato, because while he's not making the final it was like I don't think he was even close to it. Um, with with like like his last match being already on, on his hometown show. But what is worth mentioning is that he, he defeated Naruki Doi, which is a big thing for him. And also, of course, he, he defeated Atsuki Awagi, his rival. So him getting these two wins means like a lot for him in kayfabe. And like we said earlier, he's definitely going to win the junior belt either either from Elinaman or like sometime next year um, from either another outsider or whoever is champion by that point. He's like, you know, he's like someone that, that consistently worked himself, worked at with his with, with his strengths and got better at his weaknesses. And there's now a compelling wrestler that deserves, in my opinion, the push that he should get next year. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. Uh, he's also got a great character. I think that really was the the aim to get more out of him. Uh, you know. And it worked, and he really improved a lot, and I totally agree. Again, I can't really add anything more or say it better than you did. Definitely deserves a big push in 2024 as a part of the junior division. Yes, and then, of course, we talked about the two finalists and winner, Jantimura and Nuruki Doi. Uh, three wins, two draws, and two losses, both at points. Um, like you said, Jantimura was the right winner here. And then I would say, what are your overall thoughts on the tournament itself? What are like one or two matches you would what keep recommend to people? Yeah, um, again, what I said, there really wasn't anything super standout, but there was also nothing bad either. Yes, it was all it was all solid wrestling that you got uh, up and down throughout the tournament. If I did have to pick uh, some matches that I personally liked. Uh, I really liked the uh, Tamara and Abe match. Yes. Um, that was a one, yeah. That was that was one of the first show. That was a, a good one. Uh, I also really liked um, da, uh, Tamara and Sato because they have a history together, uh, you know, with each other that they played off of as a part of the Evolution stable. But really, all of the matches, um, in a way, did a good job too. In all of his matches. Again, I don't think there was really any standouts, but it was all good. Like, they were all in that three and a quarter star level. Like, pretty, pretty much, yeah. I would say. Uh, to where it's like right at the edge. Is it good or is it solid? But either way, it's not bad. It's not even below average. Or not even average. It's all good stuff and good work from everybody involved. Yeah. I thought one of, one of the one of the better matches I've seen um, was the Abe versus, um, versus Naruki Doi match from the Kirk and Hall show. From, okay. from the middle one. That was a really good match. They had a cool counter sequences. And yeah, I, I think the, the, the first Doi versus, versus uh, Tamura match and the final, of course, were both also great. Think that, yeah, that the final Doi... was, a, was the best match. Yeah. yeah, the final was the best match. Yeah. I, I, I would think that likely, you know, someone like, like all of them have around the same average in terms of ratings. So I don't think there's like a clear MVP. If I would go with one, I would go with likely Dan or with or with Rio yeah. Inoue, I think, one of them, just simply because they impressed me the most of the tournament. And they gained the most from the tournament, both of those yes. guys. So, 
Uh, overall, I would say check it out. If, but if you don't have the time, it's like watch the final, watch maybe one or two selected matches. It would be fine with that. So. Yeah. Moving on to the word tackling. Um, well, I would say which same as here. It's a bit more complicated because, of course, um, the tag league here has no final. <laughs> uh, so I would just say we would just go through the final deciding match of the tag league and then just go through the other names. Yeah, they had an unofficial final, which seems to always magically happen, the last match of the tournament. It seems to come down to that. Amazing. So we had Katsuko Nakajima, the triple round champion, together with Hokuto Mori, Defeating Ketamihara and Yumawaki in 20 minutes and 30 seconds to win the World Tag League in a, I would say, before the tournament happened, a surprising win. Now, after the tournament, I would say, I get it, why? And I, I understood, okay, why they do this. So, for the match itself... um. I would say this was the clear match of the tournament. Um, just, just you know, simply because you had, first of all, you had um, Nakajima and Kentamihara. Those two in the ring is like always not only magic, but yeah. also just the vibe is next level. Because, of course, we know the history and all of that, so the crowd is instantly more involved than ever in anything. And even though I think their sequences in this match were kind of cut short, because of course they have a triple crown title match and they don't want to, don't want to show too much, they showed still a lot, and well, not only a lot in terms of you know, you know, they showed a lot what they can do, and if someone in old old in Japan who has been a fan of old Japan has seen this match, they would definitely buy a ticket for the for the Kentamihara and Akajima show. But personally, I would never I have never expected to say that. The standout here was Hakuto Mori. Um his interactions with Yuma Awagi were fantastic and out of this world. He's he grown has grown so much over this tactic together with the Nakajima pairing. I did not see that coming. Um, he's kind of still, he's kind of still a geek, not in terms of booking, just how he, you know, how like he, he, he looks and then walks around and something, but he just finally is able to, to put his in-ring work together and seems to create good matches, great matches now on regular basis. And that's what he has been missing for me in a good early part of the year. And now, well, he might be there yet. He might be there where they want him to be. I think they did such a tremendous job in this tag league with him. And like you said, if you had said this was going to happen at the start of the league, like, oh, it coming down to them wasn't that surprising. (laughs) But the fact that Omori pinned Aoyagi uh, in, in the main event, but you'd be like, what? Like, why would you do that? He just lost the title. That's stupid. But then when you see how it actually played out, it makes it was perfect. Like, it makes perfect sense how it happened. Um, and I was so down on them. I thought they had the worst match of the tournament as a team 
uh, the Hideki and Suwama versus uh, Nakajima and uh, Hokuto match. That match sucked so much. I was like, man, I can't believe they wasted all this on Hokuto on this stupid match that sucked so much. And then they had them grow together as a team where Nakajima, he earned his respect. And it was kind of like, even if he had lost, like they had lost, like let's say Omori got pinned in this match, he still would have won overall and gained a lot because he had won Nakajima's respect as a partner. Yes. And instead they just had to win anyway. And he got, he got an even bigger boost from it. Um, Aoyagi, again, it's disheartening to see him lose like this way so fast after he won the title. But from the overall grand scheme of things, he had his title shot or he had his title run already. Uh, you, they're moved, they moved in this other direction. Aoyagi can get back up there, but Omori needs something more than Aoyagi did. Like, uh, Aoyagi pinning Omori wouldn't have meant anything. Like, at the end of the day, maybe if Nakajima was going to do the job, I could see that. But they don't want to lose him to lose, which is smart. Like, why would you want the champion to lose before his big match? So this, to me, was the best outcome, uh, realistically. You have Omori get the biggest win of his career by far. You show how far he's grown in the tournament. You show how far he's grown since the title match against each other uh, in July. It was a great piece of business here. And the match itself was really good. Uh, the buzz of the tournament, like you said, when Nakajima and Kento were in the ring, Whatever happens, wherever you're at, it don't matter. These guys have a connection with the fans as well. And they believe this is the one rivalry, I feel like, or one of the very few rivalries that the fans truly believe in uh, and they can get into in this way. And I really love seeing that here. So, yeah, this is a great match. It was right up there. There was one other match I think was on the same level. This might be the match in the tournament, but there was one other match which I thought was fantastic as well in the tournament. And this is, but this is right up there. Like everybody's got to check it out. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think they made. I mean, we all expect Kento to, to beat Nakajima, but I think yeah, yeah, they have done a great job here by securing pretty much Nakajima and. Omori a title match for I guess it I guess it's generally set in the curtain. It means that well we know Nakajima is at least staying longer than than the Yogi show, which in my opinion creates way more excitement for the match itself because well we know Nakajima is not leaving after the show, so the chance that he's like maybe staying a bit longer is definitely there, which makes the match. A bit more interesting than it, than it is, even though we just know, okay, it's like 90% Kento, but it's like... Yeah, yeah, Nakajima being Kento in the first match, they're probably not going to have Kento go under back-to-back, uh, but like I you said... You could see a 60 draw. Yeah. You could see a draw if, if they have the chance to do it a third time. I mean, they have, yeah, yeah. They have seen it before that someone paid like 50,000 times before beating one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If they If they think they can get him back or they know he's going to be back later... Like, you could get a third big match out of this if you could. But I think it was brilliant booking to have them win the Tag League. Like, so good. I didn't expect it at all. I was really surprised because I thought Kento and, and Ayagi were just going to win. And instead, they did this, which served all of these purposes all at once. It was totally the right decision. Uh, and I thought it was a great job. It gives Omori a, a tournament win in his belt. He gets the big win over Ayagi. Nakajima is unscathed going into the title match, and it makes the title match more interesting, like you said, to where now maybe you could, like, who's to say they don't do a draw and get a third big match out of it if they can? We don't know his contract status. 
we think yeah. that he'll lose, but who's to say? Like, there's no guarantee of that. Whereas if they had just won, it would have been much more cut and dry. That like, okay, like he's accomplished his goals. Like he put over Kento, and they got a big show out of it. But well, now yeah. you do have that at least the possibility. Again, it's not. It's like you know. And I don't know if you've ever played this game or not, Peps, but lo- oh. Lost Judgment, right? Uh, they have a scene in there where they're talking about the trial, where they're trying to prove he wasn't on the train, the the murderer in the, in the scene. And they say, the prosecutor's being a dick about it because he's an asshole. But you basically say, you bring up to him that, like, hey, we don't have to, like, it doesn't have to be 100% sure. We just have to give you the possibility. It's the same thing in wrestling book almost. We're not sure that he's going to stay by any means. You don't have to say, say that. You just have to prove that it's not 100%. You have to add a sliver of doubt that he can lose, even if it's like 99% likely. If you have that sliver of doubt, then you've succeeded, and I think they definitely succeeded in that. And Yeah, and also then Kento's win means more, of course, because well, he hasn't beat Nakajima yet. Not even in a tag team match, he can't beat Nakajima. Which, in the grand scheme of things... This decision was the right one. Perfect, perfect book. I, you know, I didn't expect it. I think another team was the one I would have picked um, as a winner. But in terms of now, yeah. as, as I've seen the result, I can't complain about that. Even though, like the, the tag title, the tag title challenge itself is gonna go more in the background, and I hope whatever they're planning for it is gonna be. Either Hokuto snapping afterwards on, on Nakajima, or like like no Nakajima snap, snapping on Hokuto, and they're doing some special single smash where Hokuto goes over because you cannot end this story with with Nakajima just beating down again Hokuto after after all this without yeah. some kind of payoff. So I'm interested to see how they will pull pull that off, but it's like they got people hooked in it, and it's good. People are hooked at Hakuto then, Mori, who's like a mid-carder from, for like yeah, many. Yeah, and it's because of that great booking that you get that in a guy like this. Uh, and it shows that they the faith they had. But I'm like you. I thought that Anzai and Honda were, yes. were going to win at the start of the yes. tournament. But you can again, you can round about to them going for the tag titles later, and it won't hurt anything. I think this was actually even better than my original idea for it, like how it actually played out because of how much Omori has gained. Uh, and it, uh, we mentioned it too, like he, Kento didn't even beat Nakajima in the tag match. So it was all good. I have no and, complaints about the booking at all. And also the Siders should hold the belt longer than January 2nd. Or, yeah, that, that, or, yeah. a, or the other option would be Honda and, and, and Ansai should lose, which, which they shouldn't if they, if they challenge with yeah. the tag liquid. It's like, I get it. They they booked themselves out of a corner. Like, they could have booked themselves in a corner with that and they decided not to give Nakajima the tag league and, and Hokuto. Elevated Hokuto while, you know, gave um, the side, uh, gave gave Anzai and, and and Honda a win over the Sidos, which means they have a shot anyway down the line, which is all good then. So they have done a brilliant job there. The the only disappointment about this tag league is how little reaction my lost judgment reference got from you, perhaps on, on that end. I, uh, I have but no... like the like the yeah, <laughs> I, I I have no clue about that. I can't lie. 
No, 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 uh, like, you know, like a dragon, no Yakuza, no nothing? No, no. Like the Kaito Files ending, this will be the one time we have a happy ending in wrestling. Uh, just the, the only time. So that's the only thing I was saying. I will not bring up any more video game references, Pets. <laughs> you, you can, you, like a dragon, you can ask Ami Sorey for that. I think she knows stuff about that. Looking around the timeline. I will, I'll reach out to her. <laughs> Yes, um, but yes, I would say uh, before we go into the standings sort of that of this tournament, I want to point out something. Um, the tag league was a, bo- a box office draw, which is rarely the case in, old, in, in Japanese wrestling. We have seen it in New Japan, in Stardom, and in other promotions that the tag leagues mostly are the dry months of the year. Have you seen the number for all Japan today? Because um, they have. Oh, probably, brought- sorry, I was muted. I was saying uh, <laughs> it was a great number, fourteen forty three, uh, which is a yep. great number. Fourteen forty three, best number since two. Pre-pandemic for Kurikin Hall show for All Japan. This is how great it was. And it's, it has been something that has been brewing for a while. Um, um, like the entire, the entire tour was great. The three times the All Japan tour got over 1,000 attendance. Every show aside of Shinkiba, which has set up under 500, had an attendance for 500 plus. Most of them had been over 700, some of them in like the 800 and 900. Um, the, the, the vegetable market show had like 850. The Osaka on second had like close to 950, which is fantastic. Um, so it's like all Japan is hard. Everything they do is drawing well for them. So, you know, Box office-wise, um, in terms of creative, what they pulled on in the end, it was great. So now we go into the standings. It's going to be a bit complicated because it's a lot of news. Um, we'll get through it, on, though, perhaps. We'll get through it together. On the 10th place, a bit surprising, in my opinion, um, because there have been other teams I expected to be lower. We have Suji Ichikawa and Ren Ayabe with six points, which it's a bit low for them. Um Ren is someone he's definitely signing with Old Japan either this year or next year. I would guess it's it's like in the middle of 2024. Um, they have been building up good chemistry, but of course they're just you know Ishikawa's booking himself lower than than he may maybe most of the time. Then we have a few teams with eight points, which is a four and five record. We have Cyrus and Ryan Davidson. The the Gaijin duo, we have Eruption, Yuko Sakaguchi, and Hitiko Katani. We have the our favorite wrestler, Ikemen Yero, um, <laughs> uh, which is Kurusho Tokyo Japan, and Sego Tachibana, which randomly changed his name back. I did not even notice that. Um, yeah, that's true. He was like Masao Hanabata for a while. And it was like, then suddenly, no, I'm back. And he even went full, like he had, speaking of Yakuza again, another reference that we didn't expect. (laughs) He brought back the whole look there. Uh, (laughs) And even got a main event match in this tournament for the record, which he looked good in. I got to say, Sego looked good in that match. 
Yeah, I, I think they over-delivered in terms of, you know, what I expected from them. They had so like two good matches, which, which is more than I expected them. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a big fan of uh, Japan's work, to be honest, but I thought uh, Ta- Tachibana really did impress me. Um, the ones, Ayabe, I'm not completely sold on him, but you can't teach his size at the end of the day. And it's obvious Ish- Ishikawa uh, loves the guy, Suwama too, so I agree with what you said. Uh, and JTO is a, you know, Taka said it himself, that JTO is a promotion you graduate from originally, right? Uh, so, you know, it makes sense for him to come in. Eruption team, I thought they started off really good in the tournament. I thought their matches as time went on really kind of fizzled out a little bit. I didn't think they were as good as the end as they were at the start, but still a decent run for them. Uh, Okatani gained a lot uh, from it. And uh, that Davidson impressed me as well. I thought he did a good job. Uh, being a guy who nobody knew or cared about coming in, but he worked really hard in all of his matches. You can't question, question that. Cyrus is not a prolific worker. I don't think anybody would agree with that, but he is a big guy. Again, you can't teach his size. So they had a good little run as a Gaijin team. I didn't really think any, any bad things about them. I thought they did a good job. So uh, I was happy to see the effort from Davidson. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, uh, for for um, Ayabe, of course, the thing is, well, he's he's you know, the style you are getting trained in JTL under Taka is something totally different than he's doing in in All Japan right now, and I think he's slowly coming together to being really the big man they want him to be. It it's gotta take a while, but but he's still he's still pretty young, so he they have time. Yeah, yeah, he he's is. Gonna sign. It's all good. And for Cyrus and Ryan Davidson, I think. For what they're supposed to be, they have been good. Like, nothing outstanding great. I think Cyrus has been better last year with Ishikawa in the tag league. Yeah, you're right. Like, for, for like a filler mid-card tag team that, that, that like upsets one or two teams, it's been really good. Uh, Eruption has been surprising to me. I think Okatani, I, I don't watch DDT as much as others. So, I, you know. Nothing wrong with that. Um, okay, Okatani has been has been really a cool wrestler. I think he's cool that he's using the, the finish, of course, uh, of, of Sakia Kai continuing here, which, which is a cool nod to her. Um, so I've been I've been okay fine with them. Then it's a cool on move to, on top of it. Yes. Like yeah. Then we move on to nine points, we, which we first have Kentimihara and Yuma Wagi. Um, the of course. Well, what, what, what are we supposed to say to them? I think they're clear, you know, whenever they are in the ring, they have either the best match of the night or they have a really good match. So it's yeah. like, you know, if, if there is like any MVP, it's always them. And then on also on nine points, for me, the favorites coming into this tournament were Rikyohan and Yuma Anzai. Um, they are slowly finding together as a tag team. Tag team chemistry is there, and I think they will hold the belts sooner than later. If not, one is turning in the other. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I was totally on the same page as you. I thought they were going to win at the start. Um, I will say this about them, though. Their match against each other, these two teams, uh, mm-hmm. Kento and Yuma versus Honda and Anzai, that was a phenomenal match, in my opinion. I thought it was the best of the tournament until the final. 
And I still think it's like right up there. I thought it was significantly better than the match they had last month or the month before that in October. Uh, I like that was a great match that everybody should check out. Uh, it, it's a, a long match, but the time doesn't even register. I thought it was a fantastic match. It, so except, that was my except, favorite match. It's a third, 30 minute time of draw against each other this year. <laughs> and this was by far the best one yes. in my, in my opinion. Yeah. They, they progress with every match in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then moving on to the p- 10 points, guys. We have first off from Glade, Hayato Tamura, and Galena Namal. Um, I need to be serious. Outside of the first day, I don't think they have done everything outstanding great. Um, I think they have been yeah. good all tournament, but not like they have not been in the focus, which is totally understandable considering they're from a different promotion. Hey, I don't think Galena works as well in all Japan as he does in Glade. Because there's so many big guys here that he doesn't stand out as much. Uh, Tamara, I really like a lot. I think he sh- shows himself well. This tournament was not the, like, he didn't look as great as he could have. If it was like singles tournament. Uh, I think it would be, but he did beat Kento the first night and pinned him. So I think he could be a guy they want to give a title shot to. Because, uh, you know, you need more new guys. If Kento was yeah. the belt, you need a different guys. Yeah, but, but, but I don't know. I think he's going to hold the Jurex belt. But, so. He's challenging at the end here again. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get to that. Then, then yeah. Out of contention. Um, yeah, yeah. Yes. Good point. Then, then of course, we have... Uh, I would rank them as kind of a comedy tag team moving into a serious tag team in the end. Um, Suwama, he technically at 10 points. They started off with, in my opinion, the worst match of the entire tournament against Nakajima and Hokuto. Where they yes, absolutely. Did all the time. And then slowly figured out how to be a tag team, which was, of course, part of the story. And, well, in my opinion, had, towards the end, good matches. Yeah, I really didn't like them at all until, like, the very end. I thought they came together, you know, uh, very late and did better. uh, But I still didn't like their work that much uh, heading into this. And it's a shame because uh, Hideki is one of my guys. I love his wrestling. I think he's a, a great performer, and I, I always enjoy him wherever he's at. Um, but here, I didn't think it really worked that well. I was kind of thinking, oh, well, they're teaming. Maybe they'll do some kind of blow-up, and we'll get a singles match out of this, Suwama versus Hideki, uh, like, you know, somehow out of it. But it came together all right by the end, and uh, it could have been a lot worse. But there were the early part of the match, the tournament, I didn't like them at all. Yeah. So... Then we have the champions, Junarei Saito. I think they did as we expect them to do. Solid to good matches, nothing outstanding great, nothing bad. Just just they have been, you know, as champions, of course, being there and building up potential title matches in the future. Yeah, I mean, you can't really say anything more than that. They were good, totally fine, nothing wrong with them at all. Big guys who always have a role and are the champions, obviously, as well. But, you know... They, they weren't going to give you matches of the year or anything like that. Yes. And then, of course, we have the winners, Nakajima and Hokuto Mori. I think we talked enough about Mori <laughs> itself. Um, but I think yeah. as a tag team, they had good matches. You, you just noticed sometimes they leaned too much into the, into the oh, yeah, they have some, some kind, kind of trouble thing. But how at the end, especially in the final, was it was just great wrestling they did. And that's what they especially Nakajima is invested. Yeah, so. they were another team. They started off I hated that match. 
uh, with the one with Hideki Tsuwama, but they found themselves at the end, and then they got really great with the final. And the booking wise, it was totally great. So yeah. And with that, we have finished up the entire tag league. We have finished up the entire all Japan, I would say. <laughs> After over seventy minutes, it, it yeah, it only took over an hour. Yeah, but it's tough. It's, it's like you know a lot of content. And we have more to come. Um, I would say we, we, we kick things off with, um, Ice Ribbon, because I think that's been the most interesting, <laughs> uh, most interesting. I've been at Ice Ribbon for such a long time. They had a Tokyo Dome City Hall show on November 3rd, where we, oh, Jesus. Okay. Where we had two title matches. The first one was, um, Ancham and Yuri facing off against Ibuki Hashi and Kaho Matsushita. Just to explain the story here real quick. So, um, originally Misukagura and Sumika Yanagawa was the champions. And they were challenged by uh, Kaho Matsushita and Hikaru Shimizu from, Hikaru Shimizu of course from Colors. But um, uh, Shimizu got injured. She has the same injury as Natsupoi and um, Utamiha Yashishita. And is walking around as a neck brace. So it doesn't look like she's back anytime soon. Um, Ibuki Hashi has decided, okay, she wants to jump in and help Kaho. Because Kaho's goal or storyline in this year is she wants to win her first championship. They challenge for the belts. And it ended in a 30-minute timer draw. And a 30-minute timer draw means in ice room that the belts get vacated. Stupid rule, I know. Um <laughs> And with that, of course, um, Ancham and Yuri, who is like the other top tag team, um, jumped in and it was decided that they will, they will face Ibukiyashi Kaho Matsushita for the belts, uh, at the Tokyo Dome City Hall show. Likely the reason was why Subika and, um, uh, Subika and Misa wasn't in there is because they had a JTO booking and also they were feuding as part of the new JTO belt getting introduced. Then we had, the match now for the vacant belt. And personally, I think the match was great. Um, you, you, you just know all four of them are just, just, you know, they, they start off pretty slow and towards the end were like, like really, really strong. Anjum and Yuri are working together really well. Um, they started off as tricky buddies, as rivals, and now they are tag team and they are really good as tag team. And on the other side, of course, Ibuki and, and, and Kao tried their best. They worked more on the, on the underground, um, on, on the underground and, and tried to work, work their way up and tried to win the belts, but it didn't work out. Ancham and Yuri won the belts in 60 minutes and 30, uh, 53 seconds and crowned themselves the 61st champions. The first belt from Ancham in a, in an actual promotion. I'm sorry, uh, Shinsu girls, I don't count you as an actual promotion. And of course, Yuri is oh. now not only an Ice Cross Phoenix champion, but also an international ribbon champion, which is impressive to do that in, in the same year as someone who's not signed to the promotion. How did you feel about this match and in, in, in general about these two teams? First of all, uh, I really liked the booking idea of putting uh, Ibuki here uh, to Team Kaho. I'm a big fan of Matsushita. Uh, I think she's 
very young in her career, like a lot of the Ice Ribbon wrestlers are right now. Uh, but she shows a lot. Uh, like they really have a good grasp of personality even early on in their career. Uh, Ancham, I really like her wrestling as well. Uh, she's got some good, uh, pretty slick uh, technical wrestling as well, despite your Shinshu girls slander <laughs> earlier. Uh, I think that she's actually a good, a good uh, technical wrestler. And they used a lot of this early on where they shook good fire, actually, I thought, early on. Even though, like you said, you're right, it was slower and it built later. I thought they had a little bit of good intensity early on between both teams. They made it feel like they wanted these tag titles and that, that meant something. And they built to a great finishing stretch as well to where it got really great. And I thought Yuri really got to shine uh, at, at the end of that, uh, which she obviously got the pin. I thought her and Machida had a great run at the end, and Yuri got the win. Uh, and I thought it was really good. A really good match, actually. Like, legitimately. Three and three-quarter, four-star level to me. Yeah, considering what is happening later in the show, also the right winners, it's also good yep. not to have, as, some, as a promotion like Ice Room, not to have the, the tag belts on the same person who already holds the singles top belt. Shout out to Pure J who did this all summer. Uh, yes, yes, that's true. So that's good. Yeah, it's it's like a great match. Anjum and Yuri, um, you instantly saw how happy they were to to win the belts, which is always a cool moment to see. Um, especially for two who don't have the success often in their career. Um, I mean, of course, Anjum is. I, I think Anjum is the top champion of Shinsu girls, but you know. Yeah, yeah, winning a belt in Ice Room is of course a bit different. It's Yuri's second belt ever, the second one in Ice Room as well. It's, it's always cool to see. Then we move on to the main event, and I'm interested to see what you think about this because this was a risky match, an interesting match, and also a match you will not see in any other promotion outside of the Joshi promotion. We had Ibuki Hashi who also already worked 70 minutes earlier in the show, defending her Ice Cross Infinity title against Mifu Ashida. And for those of who don't know Mifu Ashida, um, she came from a the, a YouTube series, Ice Room Did the Challenge, where they debuted like six rookies. She's some, some kind of cheerleader idol in her real life and is doing wrestling part-time. And she debuted in, on August 26th. Her Ice Cross Infinity title match was her eighth, eight, as in her, she had eight matches, like, like seven matches, and the eighth match was the Ice Cross Infinity title match. She's a rookie rookie. And they put her in here in a 20 minute match against Ibuki Hashi. And nothing against Ibuki Hashi. I think she's great, but of course she's not like a Tsukasa Fujimoto worker who can carry a rookie. So she needed to work it hard. And I want to know, how did you feel about this match and her performance itself? Especially Mifu's performance. I had never seen her wrestle before this match, to be honest with you. Uh, here, which, I, you know, I, you know I, I knew about the, the YouTube deal that they did and that she was somebody. And we also have to remember, even Ibuki, this uh, was her first title defense, which her win over Yuri was a great match. Uh, winning the title. Uh, that was oh, a few true. months ago at that point. Um, so this was her first defense of the title, and they put her first defense against somebody who's only had, uh, you know, a few matches, like literally less than two handfuls of matches here. Uh, that's definitely a bold match, but in 
the the world of Ice Ribbon, you know, why not at the end of the day? So it's you know you can't really complain from a booking standpoint, I suppose. In this match, I thought for again knowing that this is her, I say such a, a new player. I thought she did a good job, honestly. Again, we're kind of grading on a curve. I think we do have to admit that because she's so new. But I thought when it comes to a match like this, where you have a champion who herself is not, like you said, not a veteran, uh, a great worker. I agree with you. Hoshi, to me, is kind of like their gem right now. You know, like for for the company, a lot of people have left. Everybody knows that. But she's the one I would point to if you want to look at somebody uh, to, to carry the company. And I thought that she definitely... Uh, had uh, th- did the best job that she could here. Um, I thought Mif- uh, Mifu again. They did this. It wasn't a short match either. They, it was almost twenty minutes too. Uh, they did everything they could here, and she's still not a completed product. I'm not going to say it was a great match, but I thought for the circumstances, it was a great match. If that makes sense. And I thought Hoshi did a great job of not maybe carrying her to the best of her abilities, but for what she could get out of her, I thought they squeezed as much blood from this turnip as, as they could uh, in this situation. I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, you notice especially towards the end of the match that, that Mifu got tired. Um, and, 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 and I wouldn't say fucked up. I think it would have been better. It, yeah, I think it would have been but, better if it was shorter. Like, that's one of my yeah, main criticisms Like, like of five the minutes shorter, yeah. You, you definitely notice that, that Mifu... Towards the end, got definitely like a bit, you know, was a bit rough in there. But you just notice for someone that young into her career that she has the potential if she sticks with wrestling, which is of course always the question that Ice Room could need in their main event. Because, well, let's be real, they only have Ibuki and Totoro, and you know, Totoro they took the belt away likely because they saw that, you know. That's, There's that, a ceiling that. to her, and, and and I like her a lot. She's like she's really cool. I like Totoro, but she, there is a ceiling realistically. Yeah, they they notice. Okay, she's not the answer to our problems, and just move the belt as fast to Ibuki as possible. Um, yeah. Of course, you you just need those, and, I, and I'm glad they are just risking it now, and I hope they are risking it with more of the younger guys too. Um, of course, there's a lot of politics and all of that involved with with, with wrestlers outside of outside of Ice Room. But I hope they yeah. bring in some young younger girls as well that they can put over. Like Saki's not gonna lay down for Kyoshi. Um Sorry, I knew didn't. Yeah, <laughs> like you're right. like a ton of these respected veterans are not gonna lay down for Kyoshi yet. Ice Rim, if Ice Rim is lucky, they can get the Tsukasa versus Ibuki Hashi match randomly next month, uh, next year, where they yeah. can make Ibuki the star, because that should be the goal of 2024. And she showed it here again with her entire presentation, how she walks out, how she carries the match, how she ends the entire show, that she just is the, can be the answer to the problems Ice Rim has. If they don't screw it up, and I hope they don't, because Ibuki is fantastic, and she, we know she's not leaving, so <laughs> she's gonna stick there. And look, to your point, look at the—I mean, look at this very show. Uh, Mifu was in the main event, but in the semi-main, uh, Fujitaki 
debuted the same day as Mifu, and she was in the semi-main. So both yes. of these people have only had a handful of matches, and they're positioned as some of your top stars uh, at that point. Uh, you know, and you know you, they've got some young talent there, but it's really young and like really green, yeah. and all of their stars left, and we, and we all know that. We've been following the company. Yeah. And, and um, if we look you know, down, the, yeah. if we look down the cards, we have uh, Tsukina Umino who returned last year, so he's like back for like effectively twelve months now. Aris, yeah. uh, Arisa Shinose, who debuted last year as well, both had important singles matches. There's like so much of them um, in the opener, of course. Uh, Mayuka Koike, of course, debuted as well with Mifu. We have Zoran, fourteen years old. There's yeah. like so, so much of them, young talents that they have, it just are not on a level yet. And that's something, well, they kind of, with management, prop, management problems, they fucked up. And let's be real, they, 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 the progress they made over the past years, pre-COVID, yeah. is just gone now. And they are pretty much at the beginning of building up stars again. And it's going to take five years plus, if not longer. No, you're totally right. And like you said, you made a great point earlier. <laughs> like, the outsiders have to come in and get with the program to help them a, a little bit. Uh, you know, because you mentioned Saki Allcaps earlier, not laying down. I mean, she put in so little effort in that match with Shinose uh, mm-hmm. on, on the card that it was like, you know, like you have to do a little better, you know. And I'm not saying Saki Alcaps is a world beater or anything like that, but Saki's done stuff. She's had great tag matches. You know that she has a level to her that was better than what she showed uh, against Shinosei. I don't think that match helped her at all, uh, despite being in the singles match. And, uh, you know, actually the other one was a lot better, even with Chan Yoda, of all people. <laughs> you know, like on there, you still got a better match than with Saki. So these stars on the independence of the Joshi scene, they always have a place in Ice Ribbon. We've seen them. You talked about Anoa as well. You need them to really try to put their best foot forward to help some of these young talents and make them in the stars to follow the path that happened years ago. You know, I mean, this isn't their first rodeo when it comes to people leaving the company and, and mass status. Uh, so hopefully they can get to the point where one day you, you could build a new generation of your Maya Yukihis and Risa Saras and people that carry the company uh, in the later half of the 2000s, which is really their peak, by uh, the 2010s, which is really their peak as a company. Uh, but they have a long way to go. Like you said, it's not going to happen overnight. If they do everything right now, maybe in a few years we can get to the point where things turn up. And I think that's yeah. our that should be our expectations as fans as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, for the main event, of course, after the main event, the, something just went through the show. Ibuki Hashi, of course, um, is searching for a challenger for Romania, which is the biggest show of the entire year in Ice Room, a show that's always good visited. And, well, normally you expect a big star to challenge here. Last year we had Asai versus Saria New. Back then we thought Asai is going to be the next ace. <laughs> oh, <laughs> now she's now she's like an upper mid-corner actress girl, so we were totally wrong there. Um, but yes, we had Kaho Matsushita, who said... Pretty much said, yeah, I was not able to win the tag belts with you, so I want your belt now. And they set up the match for December 31st. Ibuki Hoshi with Kao Matsushita, average age of 20 years old. Um, Kao debuted in 2021. 
uh, Ibuki pretty much got a push in 2021 around the time. That's a big task for them. <laughs> and this match needs to be great. And I think both of them know that. And I think both of them are capable of, of having a great match. We have seen it earlier this year. Um, I don't know if you've seen the matches against between them. They had a a match in, in June, yeah. I think. Like 17 minutes, and that was like great. Like, like literally yeah. great match. And if are able yeah, to put on something even better here in the main, remain a main event, then chapeau. Then they are doing everything right. The attendance won't be as good as last year. For that, the star power is missing. But I think this could be something an Iceland fan can look forward to. Yeah, I was going to say that. Although she is young, that's true. But if you look, gave me the whole Iceland roster and Hoshi's the champion... Uh, who we mentioned is kind of like their their shining diamond right now. If you gave me everybody else on the roster, Matsushita would be who I would pick to have the best match. And like you said, they need to have something that's a great match, get people talking, like bring back a good feeling around the company again. I think they've taken a lot of hits this year. We all know that. Uh, but it's not... Uns- like these issues are not unsolvable. It's just going to take time. But this is the this has to be the first step. Like you said, they need to, to rock the house, get people talking. And I think again, if I were to pick anybody in the roster, Kaho would be my pick. Uh, I really like her talent, even though she's young. I think she's got a great future ahead of her, much like uh, Hoshi did a few years ago. I think Machishita could be that for this for this generation, so to speak, of Ice Ribbon. And hopefully, these two really put on the show of their life and have the best match they can. Because I think, again, if it were me, I think this is exactly what I would do with the limited options that we have. Yeah, totally. And with that, I would say we are finished with Ice Room. There's nothing else announced on the show yet outside of the main event, which is interesting considering they have to tag belt, but who knows. <laughs> good, good good, chance that they're Juris and Gumbare are in the same game. Who knows? So yeah, we move that, on. that's what I was thinking, yeah. No, I think the show is the day before Gunbarry. I don't know, actually. Um, then we move on to Glate. Jesus. Our favorite promotion, of course. Yes. It has, in my opinion, an interesting, really interesting um, GRX title match in November, on November 12th in Osaka. Uh, T-Hawk defending against Masato Kamino from Pro Wrestling Basara. And what I think is interesting here is that it came totally out of nowhere, in my opinion, because Camino is not like a wrestler that is heavily pushed by any promotion as a singles wrestler. So, seeing him getting this kind of spotlight is is, is, is interesting to see, and I think he did they well enough. They made him feel like a main eventer in this match, like considering yes. the finish. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> really weird. Yeah, and I think yeah. I think. For the spot, he did well. Of course, he's like, you know, not the greatest wrestler alive, and I didn't expect anything great out of it. I think it was a good match, great, cool action, and I think, well, as a traditional challenge, it's okay. <laughs> but but overall, it's like, well, well, I think they are running its they are running the course with the T Hawk title run. I think he's like. It would be better for him if he drops it finally. 
I thought he was great in this match, though. Yeah. Uh, I thought he got the most out of Kamino. I really think, again, I think he's one of the more underrated talents uh, in Japan overall. I think he's done a really good job with the belt. But I do agree with you, <laughs> ultimately, that for the fact of the matter is he's had it since April, which is another fantastic match uh, that he won the title in. There's been some ups and downs. Uh, the match quality, he's always been good in them. I thought the match with Ishikawa that they had the month prior was just like a bumbling mess by, by the end, pretty much. Uh, it really didn't work at all. So then we got this smaller defense. Like you said, a totally filler challenger. Nobody, it makes no sense really why he was the guy. But I thought T-Hawk not only worked a great match, but made him look like a main event guy. Uh, which they treated him well. Uh, there was good, good, good action that you mentioned before. The finish was so weird to, to me yeah. that I still can't really wrap my head around it. So they had Ito throw like he would. He they did the thing where he was too, you know, he was too tough to tap out or whatever, and he threw in the towel for him. Ito, for what reason? It doesn't make any sense, really, when you think about it, because this isn't really leading to much with Ito, correct? You said Tamara is the next challenger. Mm-hmm. So what was yeah. the point of this overall, like the, the, the throw in the towel finish? And uh, and he I, lost. He jobbed out to Tamara in like two minutes, like yeah, the, the next show. Which is, which is, I, I literally, I don't know. Like, we're talking about, let's remember who we're talking about here, but even we, by we their standards. We are talking about a wrestler that is not even signed to the promotion. That and is we're not talking about a tag team wrestling Basara. <laughs> yeah, no, he's nowhere near a main event guy. So I the mean, fact that they it, went so far to protect him and then immediately, yeah, it would make sense. Company. If, it would make sense if Ito is challenging, uh, like like you know he threw in a towel yeah. and then he's the one stepping up. No, he's not. No, yeah, so, that's not what happened though. Yeah, I think they did just did the finish to do it. I guess the only thing I can think of in their goofy minds is that they thought, well, this is a finish. We've had this title reign for a long time. Uh, this is a really uninteresting filler match on paper. So let's do something totally different. Like you know, we haven't done this finish in any other match. So let's do it for this and make. Give it a chance to be special, but it was so stupid. Like the follow-up made it even worse. So the finish was so weird, and I was utterly puzzled. And I was super impressed by the match before that. Like I said, it was a lot better than I thought it would be. And then they did that stupid finish that that totally got wiped away immediately. So I I don't know. It was crazy to me, man. What what were they thinking? I I I don't know. It's always a glade. I I have no clue what they're somewhat doing there. It's it's like the same. We will come to that in detail, maybe maybe in detail later. Um, they had Sumo Watanabe losing to to Izuki in like two minutes in a UWF semifinal match, and now he's challenging for the tag belt. So I don't think anything matters here on the shows. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is there any like any thought process besides what they're doing or behind what they're doing on some of these shows? And, I mean, this was a small show uh, at the end of the day. Don't get me wrong. But still, you can at least put some care in, into your shows right now. Uh, you know, they had that kind of week-long deal. Uh, you know, like one of them was at like, uh, Radiant Hall uh, in there. 
so it it don't doesn't make sense really what they're what they're trying to do here. So in any in any level, like even the UWF title, it doesn't make any sense because, like you said, you had uh, Izuka beat Watanabe. Ito lost in, in his match. By the way, good follow up on the, the angle uh, in the title defense. So nothing they do makes any sense whatsoever, really. But the match was good. I would honestly kind of recommend the T-Hawk and Kamino match. It delivered above expectations, but just don't expect anything to come out of it. Yeah, it's 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 often like that with Clay. Um, another match that is kind of like nothing came out of it, but worth watching in my opinion. Wow, what a transition. Um, was from Prominence. Um, they are 18th show. 118 fans, it, it, it shows that if you don't have the Freedom Skies in the main event, um, the interest is going away because they were at like 250 constantly at the beginning of the year. Now we are at 118, so it's like, you know, it look it's looking rough for them. Um, but yeah. the main event they had was pretty interesting. It was the Regina D Wave champion, Benny, uh, defeating Risa Sarah in 13 minutes and 11 seconds. A rare... A really rare big time singles match between two, I would say, freelance Choshi wrestlers. And well, I thought this match was great. Like, like actually really good. I think it was like the, the 11th anniversary show of Risa Sarah. That's why the match was happening. Um, but <laughs> still something to point out that the match like that is happening actually, because normally we are not used to it. Uh, I thought the match itself was really good. Nice actions. At the beginning, you had a, kind of the hardcore elements because Risa Sarah wanted to bleed. And until towards the end, it was more the typical wrestling parts that we know from them. Uh, really good match. Uh, su- the finish wasn't really a surprise with when Benny winning, but I'm glad, uh, I'm just glad that it was clean and, you know, no fuck ups or anything like that. No. Uh, it was kind of a basic match, uh, to, to be honest with you. A basic Risa Sarah match uh, with the weapons and stuff. Like you said, you knew she was going to bleed here. Um, uh, Vinny, I thought, looked really great in the match, though. And like you said, uh, thankfully it wasn't some bullcrap, you know, some crazy finish or anything like that. It's a shame about the attendance because, you know, Risa Sarah, I've always been a fan of her, you know, back when she was the Ice Riven Ace for a little while. I defended her for a long time, and she's done a lot of great things in the deathmatch style and, and things like that. Um, you see prominence now, and like you said, I mean, ultimately, there's just no juice really left in, in this name, I think. Once Suzu was out in stardom, I think that was a big blow, and yeah, they're just continuing on, pretty much. Yeah, it, it's like, of course, um, something that definitely... Counts in was the whole divorce thing going on with um with her ex ex oh yeah yeah ex husband um, yeah. and all of yeah, that yeah. I mean of course it, that's definitely that's definitely something that you know that draws away maybe some few freedoms fans because they some of them definitely came because of him or something like that you always know with those that's how they are yeah yeah I, I thought, Uto got the yeah ball. It's, it's, Weird situation. I I think I think that the prominence thing is something that won't last forever, and I 
could see that Risa signing with that, that at least Risa is disbanding prominence down the line. Because Listen, she's got bigger uh, things uh, to uh, worry about. She's got that pure J yeah. match, the title match to go to. I, I just wanted to say, okay, I thought you meant, meant Suki Balan, but close enough. Oh, well, that too, as well, of course. But pure J is bigger than Sukaban in my mind. Anyway, <laughs> maybe not reality. And I would say we move on to the last show we wanted to review. Um, it was the Big Japan Kurikan Hall show on. God, when was it? It, it aired on November 20th, 25th. It was on the 15th. We had uh, two and a half matches, I would say, worth talking about. Um, the Can first you one, believe they brought in Casanova Valentine? No. It's like. That wasn't I, one of the matches worth watching, but can you believe they brought him over? <laughs> no, I never get what they're bringing over, to be honest. Good point. Really weird stuff for they do here. Um, God. We had footed BJW Junior Heavyweight title. We had Catcher Tomato making his fourth defense against Leighton Bussard from England. God. Um, he has been in Big Japan now for like four months or something. He and some 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 other foreigners founded a group, Project Havoc, which is a typical heel group that we know. Um, one of the people in there is um, Tempesta from from Germany. He is the brother of of Bobby Guns. I think people might know Bobby Guns from name. Um, yeah. Which which is kind of cool to see, uh, but but he's the bad brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what a surprise! And that big Japan got him, but yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the, the thing is about this is just I heard from people that they are doing actually a great job with with the Project Havoc thing. But I have no interest in this table at all. I think Enakara is pretty good. Um, I think I, I would invest in him, but like, like Bassard is like, he's, he's a solid, good wrestler. And I don't think the match was like outright anything special. Um, don't think, don't think, you know, to be fair that the catching tomato is also not like the best wrestler in the world. So yeah. it was a solid, good match that was worth watching. Maybe if you are into into one of the into one of the characters, yeah, that project havoc. Uh, Indicar is pretty good. I have no beef with him really. Uh, you know, when when you see him coming in, it's nice to have a representative. I'm a big fan of anybody who's like from a non traditional uh, country when it comes to wrestling. Like you know, Sweden is not exactly a wrestling hotbed, but he's able to do stuff at least. I- and I appreciate that from him. I really like uh, Daimanji So actually. Uh, yes. Every time I see him in a big match, like he's done a great job. I really enjoy his. He's got a great spunk to him, and he's a, a good uh, guy for a big Japan level promotion to do good things with. The junior match, I didn't like this match at all. To be honest with you, I, I thought yeah. it wasn't very good. Um, you know, I it's not. And one thing I'll say about them, I'll try to take a positive spin of this. I think. 
there was a lot of effort in this match. You know, like they did stuff. It just was so incoherent and it didn't really, like it wasn't executed very well, to be honest with you, between the two. Uh, I didn't think this was a very good match. I, you know, maybe that they'll do better later, but I don't want to judge him off of one match. Like you said, uh, Tomato is definitely more of, like he at his absolute peak was more of a charisma type of guy than a great yeah. worker. And he's fine as champion, I, I suppose, for, again, a smaller company. But I didn't think this was a great match overall. You want to have better matches. Like, when Sekifuda was champion, I think most of his stuff was better than this, in, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, after that, we had some kind of angle. We, <laughs> we had um, yeah y- Yoshino coming out. I, I, would propose, I would think he was wants to challenge an Endakara. And they decided a random number one contender next decision match. And Enakawa just beats him in one minute. And it's going to be the next challenger for Kachi Tomato at the December 30th Kerrigan Hall show. And I would guess he wins the belt. That, which, which is an understandable decision and it's likely going to lead to one of the, one of the homegrown guys to, to win the belt and from, from the heel table. At least hope so. I never know. Yeah, yeah. Know. Yeah. But it makes sense. I mean, it's a very logical, easy story to tell like that. Yeah, definitely. Then, of course, we move on to the main event. We have Yuki Ishikawa. He's now solidifying himself as one of the top guys in the Big Japan Deathmatch division against Kazumi Kikuta. Um, you know... I said it before in the podcast. I just can't get into the into the Big Japan Deathmatch style at all. I think their matches are always at least solid to great, solid to good, but like nothing outstanding great that I would personally seek out to watch. If it wasn't for the podcast, I just, of course. yes, of course you have to do it for the fans, Peps. You can't <laughs> you, you can't let the you can't let the death matches go uh, with this. My problem with all of these matches is always the same. How many times, like, why can we not have a different style of death match other than just light hoops? You know, it's like yeah. we've seen that so, so many times. Uh, I have no love for that style. But I will say this. Um, Ishikawa is good. I think he's a great representative of the division. Uh, you know, they've really had to, like, They've had a hard time with the deathmatch division because nobody wants to do it <laughs> anymore, it seems like. So you're having to move people into there. You know, Kamatani is now a deathmatch guy, and he was originally a strong guy. Uh, you know, they're trying to do more stuff. And I, I, the effort, again, the effort is there when you look at this match, too. I thought both guys actually, again, I don't like this match type, and it's not going to win me, me over or capture my heart by any means or imagination. But I thought their work was good here for what we saw here. They did the best they could, and I thought if you're a fan of the deathmatch style, this is definitely one you got to check out. It was a really well done match, uh, well executed match between both men. Kakuda is definitely more cold than hot, but I thought he stepped up here to face Ishikawa, who did a good job. But the problem is, the match type is so unappealing to me that I can't say I liked it or I'm even a, the best judge of it. So if if you're a fan of deathmatches, I think you'll see something in this. And if you're like me and you're sick of the death, the light tube death matches, not just in Big Japan, but anywhere. Like I, I have that same criticism when we talked about the GCW show on uh, Russell Update. The matches with the light tubes just 
will not appeal to me. Maybe it's me. And while maybe it's not me because they're going to cut that out soon, because they're going to stop making them. Yeah. We just have seen it all with this style. It's like, exactly. Nothing is innovative anymore and whatever. So it's just, it goes by. It's, it's always solid to watch, but it's not like, you know, I don't know. They do something. They need to change up some things in the deathmatch division. Not in terms of the people in the division, but just how they work the matches. Well, I know they've got that band coming on the light tubes. They're going to do something right uh, soon. So yeah, but until that no is in fact, <laughs> really, really I, who knows? And that's still a couple of years away, right? So, yeah, I, th- I think next year they yeah, said to, right. to stop to import, and then it's like there's no light tubes until in 2026, 27, or something. You know, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, you're right, you're right. So, I would say we move on to the preview part for next month, because we have a lot coming up. Um, and then we can... Let's do it, Peps. Yes. Yeah. We start off, of course, with Old Japan. I just go through it real quick, because I don't really talked about most of it already. Um, we have New Age Chronicle of the, the set two. On December 21st, the most important matches are for me, uh, first of all, a pretty funny one. It's Hayato and Dan Tamura <laughs> versus Hayato uh, and uh, Katsumasa Yoshida versus Towa and Kuki Iwasaki. They put the Tamuras together against the Yoshidas against Iwasaki, which is a funny matchup on, on paper. Um, yeah. Then we have the astronauts together in action. I think for the first time in All Japan as a tag team in a while. Uh, against Ryo Inoue and Issei Onitsuka, which is a, which sounds like a cool match, like a really cool match in my opinion. Um, yeah, I'm of a course, big fan of Onitsuka. Yes. Then of course we, I think it's gonna be the main event. We have the Saito's, uh, Junare Saito against the Ayagi brothers, Yuma and Atsuki in a brother versus brother match. <laughs> so a lot of this is just pulled around some, some, some kind of jokes and all of that. It's, it's a cool card. Yeah. Um, gotta be fun to watch, but nothing to really worth checking out. I guess, at least on paper. Then we have on, um, on December 31st, we have the Yoyogi Second Arena, sh- uh, the second, uh, Yoyogi Second Show. We have Katsuki Nakajima defending his Trip Crown belt against Kenta Mihara. We have Alineman defending his All Japan Junior Heavyweight title against Dan Tamura. And then the matches we didn't talk about yet. We have Atsuki Awagi and Rising Ayato um, facing off against Toi Kuchima and Yuki Ueno, which is a cool matchup. A big, 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 big DDT name here is always cool to see. Oh, absolutely. I think the entire relationship between All Japan and DDT has worked, uh, done, been really well done for both sides, and they both got something out of it. And this is a really cool match to have their biggest show of the year. Yeah, definitely. Then, of course, which is something I really looked forward to and came totally out of nowhere, in my opinion, because normally you expect people to, to appear in public when they are returning. But Shitao Rashino is returning after his brutal arm injury, after his <laughs> Tampa Carnival victory, which I totally forgot that happened, to be honest, which is not his fault. 
Um, TV together with he never T-Hawk, got the title match. Yeah, I, w- I would I would guess he's getting it on January twenty twenty first or is it yeah twenty seventh? It's like some some big kind of show in January after the Kurgans. Hey, that's my it. birthday. If, if they yeah. do that, then give give Ashino a shout on the twenty seventh. Um, he's teaming together with T Hog, um, Wrestle One team, I think. I would guess the way it said him in Wrestle One. Wait, gosh. They're I hope rivals they in Wrestle One. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, because remember Tiak was with Strongheart. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, Tiak was with Strongheart and invaded for and faced Ashino for the belt. Yeah, yeah that's um against. Well, it's still freaking cool. Our, like they're a great team on paper. Yeah, and against of course your favorite tag team ever, uh, Zago and Ikemen. Oh, I'm sorry, Zero. I don't know. I I can't get along with this current. <laughs> We don't even know who the hell this guy is anymore. Yeah. I, I call him Hiro. Or Kuroshio Tokyo Japan, what I mean. Gonna be, gonna be, sure. be a funny match, I, I guess. But a good match for Shitaro to build up some momentum towards his upcoming title challenge. It's definitely, I hope at least it's gonna happen. Yeah. So, um, then we have Wave. Um, something, something really cool. Uh, Colts Kawasaki, the biggest show of the year, in my opinion. We have, of course, we have Sakura Hirota, um, said she wants to face Yago Yokoda in a freeway for the Elizabeth title, which is likely gonna be on a card. Um, um, Stardom, Starlight Kid will be there, which is a huge name for a promotion like Wave. Then we yeah. have the match I have been looking forward to most. Uh, Saki Risa's first title defense. Uh, against the 2023 generation of rookies, Hodoka and Kizuna Tanaka, that's going to be the best match of the year in Wave. <laughs> the best match of the whole year. This is that Kizuna Tanaka love you've got going on right now. You're bringing it in there. you got to respect her family lineage with her parents. And, she's gonna, and she is awesome, uh, for the record. Uh, so, yeah, it's... that will be good. Maybe not the best of the year, but I, I will co-sign <laughs> you on it being very cool. <laughs> but that's it's it's, it's, it's going to be really cool because... Of course, seeing eight months rookies in such a big spot is always cool to see, and especially Kizuna Tanaka, who won her first match early this this month in December yep. uh, with the Heat Clutch. Um, cool nod to her father. Um, it's it's not gonna take a while until she gets like the the fisherman suplex from her mother, something like that. <laughs> we know her her moveset is gonna be just a mix of both of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much was like Kensuke Sasaki did with, with with stealing all of Hokuto's and Akira Hokuto's moves. So, uh, and of course Hanaka always goes under next to Kizuna, but she's also great. Um, Kizuna posted on Twitter today that that Keno uh, mentioned her name, and she's like the biggest Keno fan in the world, so she was happy. And then it's a the dream main... for all of us. I like to think for Keno to mention us. And then in the main event, we have Venny defending her belt for the first time against Yuki Miyazaki, which has been a story bring for like over a year now in Wave with, with the first one, first capital, uh, like, like the first part of it being in the Battle Royal last year in October, something where, um, Jesus, uh, where, where, um, um, God, where Yuki Miyazaki won the, the, the Battle Royal and Challenge. She that ended the Kurrigan. Now they're facing off for the Regina Wave Championship. I think there could be a title change coming. 
Um, it's possible. Miyazaki's a veteran. She's, you know, she's got some, uh, you know, respect for it. You don't have to worry about the generational battle. I think Vinny wouldn't have any problem with that. Uh, it's not my, like, it wouldn't be my preferred match. But still, I think it could be really good, though. And Vinny's a great wrestler. And Miyazaki's pretty good. I'm not a huge fan of hers, but I think they could deliver decent enough. I think Vinny is needed as champion right now because they don't have top star or anything like that right now, currently. Um, but I, I could I agree. see them. But I could see them thinking, okay, let's let's give the belt to someone who's actually signed to the promotion because, you know, who knows what Vinny's planning next year especially with her starting to take American dates. Oh, good point. Yeah. Um, then moving on, we have Marvelous. Uh, December 10th, Hurricane Hall show with two big matches announced that are pretty important. First of all, we have um, Chikayo Nagajima and Takumi Roha defending their, their tag team titles against Magenta, Maria, and Riku Kawahata. Um, Interesting matchup. I would hope they are doing the title switch, but it's marvelous, so I never know. Um, con- considering how they are booking Maria and Kawahata in recent time, I, I you know, and that's the thing that they're both great talents, and I want them to win too. It's just with what they're doing lately, it seems like the whole promotion is kind of like on, on a certain path, and I don't know if it involves pushing those two particular talents uh, right now. Yeah, my 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 feeling on this on this promotion is um. It's like, you know, well, I don't think they care about what you do in Japan. It, it sounds mean, but it is, like, true. I think they are most focused right now on expanding to the United States because they saw they will likely make more money there. <laughs> so, like... Yeah, they have you know. the end with West Coast, like, you know, uh, who Iroha did have a match on recently uh, on their monster show on YouTube. Yeah, me and too. It was her and... Yeah, yeah, Miyu was there too as well. So, yeah, you know, you... interesting. Yeah, Spain, uh, Spain next next week as well. So pretty cool. Then of yeah, course, I yeah. think I think it's the main event of the Curtain Hall show. I would guess so. It's um, for the number one contendership for the AAW singles title. It's Mio Momono versus Tomoko Watanabe. Yay. Um, <laughs> The logical result would be considering the story they're tell- we're telling is that Tomoka wins and is challenging Ozaki. But neither of them versus Nozaki would be pretty cool, in my opinion. The best case would be Mio winning, and she challenges and beats Ozaki. But let's be real, it's going to be Tomoko, and she's just losing to Ozaki. Yeah, I think that's what we have. I mean, if, you, if you're watching the promotion... That's what you have to think would happen. That would be, be based on how they've used it lately. Um, you would have to hope because it's so... The thing is now, at least the first time with, with Ozaki, and that was a big controversial match at the time when Ozaki beat uh, Mio for the title. At least you could argue that had some like value to it based on just putting over somebody who's a legend. But to do it twice... It's, then you're just like blatantly stupid. And, he, and a lot of people would say the first time was wrong. And I think they're right, to be honest. But I think mm-hmm. there, you can at least make an argument, again, to bring back to my my last judgment, that you can at least create a sliver of doubt 
that there was good to it. If you do it twice, then there really is no doubt. It just sucks at that point. So hopefully we're wrong and that uh, they do do the logical thing that they teased early on. And they started earlier to have Momono win would at least kind of rectify some things and you can move forward ahead in a better way. But like you said, I think as a fan, we have to expect that that's not going to happen. And then Ozaki is just going to continue to, to be the champion. She's going to continue to be champion until Iroha wants to take the belt. It's it's, it's gonna be the way, and I expect I accept yeah. it. <laughs> so. I I think that's a logical opinion to have as a fan. I just like I said, it's so blatant now. If you do it again, I just I hope that they have some sense, like somebody does, <laughs> to to make this happen. But you are you are much more accurate, I would say, uh, much more realistic. It, it would be surprising if if Osaki lays down for someone like Miyamoto. I'm yeah, sorry, it, it 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 is. It is. You're totally right. I I can't have any logical argument for it, to be honest with you, other than it's just so dumb. I hope it doesn't happen. And in some ways, I think just Tomoko winning would probably be better. I like like uh, beating. Uh, oh yeah, especially just, especially yeah, yeah. since the match is not going to be at like a Korean like like Shin, yeah. Shinkiba or something, and you're losing there. Yeah. But yeah. who knows? You're right. Them. It's it's marvelous. Marvelous. Then yeah. we have, of course, Iceland nice. Romania on December December 31st. We have Ibuki Hashi vs. Kaomitsu for the Ice Cross Infinity title. Um, I would expect Ibuki to, to win this one, and I guess that Kaho is winning the belt from Ibuki down the line. Maybe not at this run, but like down the line. Um, something I want to add here since it came out, and I'm sorry for the name pronouncing. Uh, but this likely has something to do with Ice Rim. Um, announced that two of their women's wrestlers are heading to Japan for two in 2024. It's Luvia and La I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm bad at pronouncing Mexican. Yeah, Luvia um, and Horochita. Yeah. Horochita, yeah. They are yes. coming over in February of next year. And as far as you know, what CMLL has for partnership, it's going to be Icerim as their main homestay, which is always cool to see those over because I think whenever CMLL sends someone over, they are bringing some value to whatever promotion they're going to. Uh, Stephanie Wacker, the best example for that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I love seeing the talent get the... For them, uh, for sure, for pretty much any uh, luchador, luchadora, Mexican wrestler... Going to Japan is always seen as a big deal and cool deal for them. Uh, so you get to see them do some big things. You get to see the ice ribbon. And I think this is something they really need because a lot of their talent is so new and young into their careers. They get to wrestle somebody of different styles. And um, of the two, Juvia is not that great, but Harachita is a really good I think she's one of the best that CML has. So I think uh, she, her coming in is going to be some good stuff. Uh, and excited to see what she can do against the ice ribbon talent and help them out some. Yeah, she, they, they will definitely take the normal, normal, you know, bookings and, and tour all over Japan in terms of in the women's promotion. Um, you know, you will see them definitely wave, definitely see them in, in TJPW and all of that. It's going to be cool. So then we have Seedling on December 28th, also Kirk and Hall show. We have, first of all, we have Makoto, Maya Yuki, and Natsumire, likely in the semi-main event against Mima Shimoda, Veni, 
And for me, the most interesting name, Nagisa Nozaki, who's taking her first booking in a Shoshi promotion since her comeback. And cool to see that she's getting some kind of showing now in, 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 in Seedling. If she's willing to do more jobs than others, well, not, not like my, and uh, not like on the level of, um, Yuki Takase, but like some kind of jobs, I think she could be cool challenger next year for whoever is champion by then. Yeah, we'll be interested to see what she does. Noah, yeah, you should take some, some spots off of there uh, for their Monday matching, which she's a big part of the, the stuff they've got going on with their women right now. She's going to be at the Ariaki show, uh, January 2nd. And now she's doing some stuff in Seed. I uh, love seeing it. Uh, Nozaki's a really good talent, and uh, hopefully they have some good stuff planned for her in a variety of fashions that you mentioned. Yes. And then the main event, well, if it's going to happen, we don't know yet. Um, Sari and Arisa Nakajima, they are teaming up, and they will come out with their Disney princess theme, whatever the, whatever they have. Incredible theme. I, have, you, have you seen that? They, what, they, what about tell tell me about it? They, they got some. I I'm I'm not into it, but they got some Disney theme music as their tag team theme. It's incredible. They they come out with those Mickey Mouse ears and all of that. Yeah, and then just you need to imagine how they are like like from the mood. How, how like Sari is all hyped up and Arisa Nakajima wants to just kick her in, kick her face in. It's incredible. And I hope one day that day comes where she does kick those ears off of her face. <laughs> yes. Uh, they are facing off against the twin, twin berries, uh, Riku Kaiju and Ayama Sasamura for the tag belts. Yeah, um, Sukaban posted today that, um, posted today that Riku Kaiju is injured and is not able to compete on the show. Which is not a good sign 20 days away from from a Hurricane Hall show, um, to be honest. <laughs> but I would hope she will wrestle because that is like the match the entire Hurricane Hall show is built around and then actually the entire story of Seedling for the upcoming year's talk uh, is, is built around. I would hope the Twinberries win and they are building up to a Sarivas and Nakajima match at the next Hurricane Hall show for the title. I could see a title change happening, happening but... We have seen it before that Twinberries was able to pull an upset with Iroha and Arisa Nakajima in a Kurikan Hall show in May, I think, or June, May, April, something like that. So I hope they are doing it here again because their run should definitely continue. Yeah, um, I agree with you uh, pretty much that I think the best ideal outcome is for them to keep the titles and have uh, Nakajima and Sari be the big match next month, but with all whatever political implications there are with Sukaban and just them, who's to say what, what will happen at the end of the day? But I, I would love to see that match uh, straight up. I think we need to see it again uh, and really, um, you know. And I'll, also, the Berries have done a great job as tag team champions too. You obviously love their talent. Sasamura is somebody who's been around for years now, and I love seeing her get spots like this. Uh, Kaiju's a bit younger, but obviously a talent that we all like a lot. So uh, they're a really good team. I think this match will be really good. If, and like you said, hopefully the injury does heal up because the show is built around it, and it's the best match too. So uh, I'd be really excited to see it. Yes. 
Then we have, okay, moving on, we have Glide on December 30th. We have T-Hawk versus Hayano Tomorrow in a rematch for the GRX belt. I said last time that I expect to switch, and this time I expect to switch as well. I think it's time to get a belt off T-Hawk. I think he has had, had a good reign, but I think it's just, you know, well, Tamura's, it's Tamura's time. It was earlier, early in the year as well, I think, and now it's, you know, now they should do it, and I think they will. Yeah, this is basically correcting a mistake that they made at the Sumo Hall show when he should have won the title originally. So now they're doing it now. And I, I think that's what's going to happen. Just in the but main yeah, event. Anything can happen. Yeah, 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 exactly. Which is a good decision. Then we have for the tech belts. Uh, Jesus Christ. We have the Cider Bros defending for the fifth millionth time their <laughs> T-Rex, the Clay Tech titles. Uh, again, Soma Watanabe and Yuyu Suzumu, which is like a cool match for a Yokohama Yokohama show in front of 150 people, and not yeah, Radiant Hall, yeah. Radiant Hall, not like Tokyo Dome City Hall. Uh, cool that they are following Why up with. I don't know. Cool that they are following up with somewhat Watanabe getting another big spot after after his last. Tokyo Dome City Hall match be for the G-Rex belt. Um, that's at least something to look forward to, but like Suzumu is in 2023 yeah. is like not interesting to me. No, no, I, I'm not a fan of his at all. You could have put anybody with Soma and I think you could have gotten an interesting match out of it, but Susumu, I just, man, like I have no interest in them teaming at all. I don't know what this match is all about. But since it's since it's late and it's an outsider champion, I think we have to predict that the outsiders will get the one up once again, as has been the story of 2023. I don't know this time because I could see it being some kind of trade between Glade and Old Japan that 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 titles are just losing, and for that, um, Elinamin is also losing his belt. I could see something like that happen. Because it's time that the Siders are slowly losing, but I don't know if they're going to lose it as, as long as they are tag team champions in all Japan as well. But I never know with, with all Japan politics and stuff like that. Yeah, who, who's to say with this company? But I, I, I just can't see what one of these guys laying down for Susumu, to be honest with you. And their side, and all Japan yeah. just being cool with it. Uh, yeah. That's just my opinion. But we'll see, we'll see. Then, of course, the third match being announced, the first, third bigger match being announced, is Fujita Yano defending his uh, Linded UWF belt for the first time, even though he won it, like, six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Against the winner of Yu Izuki or Tetsuya Itsuhi, which is like, either of them is not going to beat him. I don't see anyone who's going to beat him anytime soon. Like you're gonna be just the first defense. If yeah. not, and he's just losing, then you had like the, the the second champ in a row of the two champions that you had that just failed at, at the first defense. So who knows? And it's an outsider, so I would say Fujita's yeah. a heavy favorite. Uh, of the two, they could both be good. Uh, either one of them could have a great match. Uh, I would like to see Izuki get it because I think he's gotten less spotlight, and I, I hope that he gets at least a spot out of this. But Either way, I, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to win. I think Fujita will keep the title for a bit longer. 
Yes, and then we have the December 30th Hurricane Halton of, of Big Japan. Jesus Christ. Um, we have Kachi Tomato defending his junior belt against Enakara. We already said, I think, Enakara is winning this. Then for the deathmatch belt, we have Yuki Ishikawa versus Madman Pond in 2023. What? what? A match. Yes. Man. And Drake Younger. Yeah, and Drake Younger, of course. This Goofy is, it's, it's always like that with them. They always bring in the Madman Pondos of the world and just. They've been doing it for 23 years, by God. Oh, Necrowitch is also there, I think. Ah. At least he was there earlier this year. I think. He got like two tours. Yeah, yeah. So I would guess he, he yeah, always right, got right. And then uh, for the Big Japan Tag Team Belts, that's something really cool because they had a fantastic match earlier this year. Is Astronauts defending it against Crazy Lovers, Masahi Takeda and Takumi Tsukamoto. Um, earlier this year, they had a match in the in the Tag League of Big Japan, which was really great. And I hope they're doing another of those fantastic matches. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a completely great match. Uh, I love seeing those guys. I've always been a big fan of Tsukamoto. Uh, and obviously, Takeda, I think everybody loves. And just love seeing him wrestle these days. And the astronauts are two of the best in the entire world. So this match should have every reason to be a great match. It should, yeah. It should be, yes. And the last show I quickly want to talk about, because it had something to do some kind of with with, with what we are talking about, is um, the Sukaban show today in Miami, Florida. Five matches on the card. We have, first of all, uh, Supersonic, Stray Cat, and Axe uh, teaming against... The Vandals, Bingo, Midnight Player, and Akatu-chan. Um, I guess the Axe's act, um, since she has said that, that she, she has like contact just to some kind of America promotion. And America promotion plus Joshi plus someone like Act, that's like 100% Sukaban. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess she made, makes her debut here. I would at least expect it. Um, would be a cool addition to the thing, but. You know, matches at like nothing special. Then we have the Harajuku Stars, my Maya, Maimushi, and Sakibimi against oh God, against Konami, the Queen of Hearts, Takase. Um, sort of matchup between those two teams. I could see the winner of the teams challenging the winner of the main event. Then we have a four-way match between Atomic Banjay, Countess, Sari, Babyface, and Sari, who is making her Sukiban debut. Um, well, another cool match to really seeing in some, some kind of goofy gimmick is going to be hilarious. <laughs> but who knows? Then, likely in the semi-main, we have Lady Antoinette, which is Risa Sarah against Crush You. Um, if it's not going to be one of the, one of the tag matches, it's likely going to be the winner of this match, which I think is going to be Crush You. And then Crush You is going to likely challenge the winner of the main event. But the Sukiban World Title, Kamana Nakajima versus Ichigo Sayaka. I think, well, this episode will come out after the show happens. Uh, the show happens in four hours when we are recording. <laughs> um, but I would guess that, that Nakajima is winning just to have a cool hero run on top because you have so many baby faces in the roster that you can potentially run against Nakajima next year. 
did do you follow like did you watch the first episode of Sukiban or I, I did I absolutely watched it uh, and I think of everyone on the roster you could say a lot about everybody but nobody has a better hat than Commander Nakajima therefore she should be the champion I would argue I I would just simply give her the belt because I think you have much more potential with her being the champion and the baby face is trying to take her down than the other way around. Um, just yeah. nothing against Saya Kunagi. Um, I think she would be a great, cool first champion. But it's like, I think the story potential, especially with Sari being there, is like, you know, if Tsukiban is smart, they're running Nakajima with Sari <laughs> as soon as they can. So, I think that's mad. We don't really have like, a... Yeah, we, we don't really have a great feel on what their their booking quirks are yet, or who they see as their main event players. I mean, uh, these are all yeah. They they have they have said that who who the leaders of each faction is, so you can't be pretty sure yeah. they are going to be the ones pushed. Which yeah, is yeah. um yeah yeah. Which is um Crush You, which is um what, what's your name? Atomic Bungie, Ichiko Sayaka, Commander Nakajima, and then of course Sari as as the freelance figure. So they're going to be pretty much the, the one right. focal point. For now, at least, uh, of course. We don't know anything about the promotion outside of that, that the owner is some kind of um, some kind of like, like uh, what's called? Um, like legendary design, like hat designer? Like or designer or like something, yeah. Some yeah. hat designer, which is totally weird. But, well, if I know something like they it. did it for like Beyonce and stuff. It was like a big time person. Like whoever it is beside this is like a legit person. Yeah, which is which is why I wonder. Well, who's booking it? Because that's interesting to me. Because I don't think she's booking it. Um, and they said that uh, Bailey was like the agent for the first show for a lot of the matches. Mike Bailey. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, um, yeah, I know. Yeah, there's definitely some, some some kind of American indie people, but like I, I'm interested to see who the booker is because, well, it's we, we're gonna see it because for the first show we don't we had like typical simple wrestling tropes, but the longer we get, the more shows we get, and seemingly they said they they plan to do more shows next year, going to Japan as well as one of the goals they have. Um, right. We will see. Do you think they're going to give away free alcohol at the at the later shows, though? That's. I, I'm so confused by how they are making money. I, I don't think they're making any money. I think the, the whoever is just so rich, so rich, and they just don't don't care about throwing out money. Yeah, exactly. That, that's exactly what I think right now. So we'll see. Yes, and with that, we are done with all of we talked about. Yeah. Um, a bit over two hours. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine enough. If you listen to that, um, I hope you enjoyed it, of course. The next episode, that's actually, yeah, that's the last episode in, in my teenage years, which, which is scary, but who knows? <laughs> um, the next episode should come out either at the end of, of course, end of December or the first week of Generally, all about, of course, what I'm doing first if I do the year and award shows or, of course, the December reviews, which is a lot of shows you have here I just saw. Um, I will look up who I will ask for that. 
I'm always late with that. I'm sorry. But that being said, Dylan, please promote everything again that you want to shout out. Then we can finish up. Absolutely. First of all, uh, early happy birthday to you, Peps. Uh, <laughs> graduating, doing some big things in the future. Um, want to say thank you to everybody who listened to the show. Uh, hopefully all you guys out there have Merry Christmases, Happy Holidays, Hanukkahs, all that stuff. Uh, get some good stuff. Hopefully everybody has some fun and safe times. Uh, to repeat what I said at the start of the show, check out Eastern Lariat. Uh, you know, we're on Twitter at Eastern Lariat. We're on Instagram at Eastern Lariat. Lots of fun stuff. Russell Update at Russell Update 23 on Twitter at Russell Update Pod on Instagram. Uh, and Dramatic Dream Dragons. We're going to have some brand new shows in the future as well. Uh, not even in the future. It's a very near future, like a day or two probably. Uh, we're going to talk about all kinds of cool stuff going on in DG and DDT. Uh, and keep an eyes field, keep your eyes field, especially for the Eastern Lariat, because we're going to do our year-end award show coming up. We want as many votes as possible. We had a huge turnout for the half-year awards. We want it even bigger for the year-end. So I checked it out. And if you want to follow me personally, I'm always available to talk about wrestling, whatever you want, uh, you know, anything going on. At Viva underscore zero, as always, a tribute to Ray, my favorite Joshi wrestler. Rest in peace. And hopefully everybody out there, again, has a, a great set of holidays, great birthdays if you got them. And tell everybody you know that you love, tell them that you love them, and let them know. That was a great final message. Um, to, to quickly promote my stuff, of course. Um, well, you, if you don't follow me on Twitter, I would be surprised. Peps underscore wrestling, of course. Write the Choshi, um, Choshi Guide on Recipeurist. Um, we are currently expanding our Choshi content there. We are posting reviews, previews, and results to all the stardom shows. Well, reviews and previews to the big stardom shows, but you know the thing. Um, before Queen Nimna should be coming out a ton of articles about the matches. Well, when we have the full card, of course. <laughs> and until then, yeah, we will see us the next time here or hear us next time in January. Thank you all for listening for this great and fantastic episode with a great and fantastic and always welcome to your um, Gaswin Dylan. Thank you and have a good day, good night, or wherever you are and just stay and enjoy wrestling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.